2: Time now for the BK and Ferrario Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on one oh one ESPN.
3: What we want to stress as we're going through whatever we're going through now, is a a level of compete and a level of accountability. And
1: whoever starting with Drew tomorrow night, that's his mandate. Accountability and compete.
4: Alongside Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. I feel like this is going to be a more upbeat show today. I've gotten through my depression stage yesterday, and so I'm in a much better place today.
5: So the Blues are back in action tonight. Alex is wearing his wonderful maroon uh, suit. So we know that it's going to be a good you, night for him.
4: Couldn't figure out the word suit.
5: Yeah, you know, it's it's been a long 24 hours for your guy. Luke, he doesn't really Does sleep, not sleep anymore. Much. No, <laughs> he doesn't really do a whole lot of that. We put him down <laughs> in the bassinet <laughs> and he's like, <laughs> no, ooh, tough guy." Ooh, okay, tough guy. I'm going to sleep now. If he's, uh, if he's on your chest, he's like, all right, boom, out immediately. And then you put him down in the bassinet and he's ready to be back up. So My personal favorite is when you lay him down
4: room. and he's asleep. And you're like, oh yeah, he'll go to sleep. And then all of a sudden when you walk out of the room and you're closing the door, you hear a... Yeah, it's like, yeah. ah, cool. Let's wake him up. <laughs> so that's pretty much how things are going for your guys. Good. So if I'm Loopy. A little
5: light in the head today, that's pretty I much got you. why. I got you. The Blues should be well focused, though, because they are in a response mode right now, Alex, or at least that's what they should be. They are the third team this season to fire their coach, which is remarkable because we have not yet reached Christmas. But welcome to the NHL. Everyone's
4: trying to be the Blues.
5: Edmonton fired their coach. They were 3-9-1 when they made the move, Alex. They have won 10 of 13 games since making the coaching move. And T-Bone was telling me some of the advanced numbers earlier on these teams. It's all real. Like, the moves that they made have worked. These teams are actually good now.
4: That team, the coach's message got stale, and they had to fire the coach to get a new one. Minnesota was
5: 5-10-4 when they fired Everson. They, are th- they won their first game after that one against the St. Louis Blues 3-1. to They have won 5-7 of seven since firing their head coach.
4: Can I make a statement on that one? Sure. If I'm a Minnesota Wild fan, I'm pissed that they had to fire Dean Evason for this because John Hines and Dean Evason are the exact same type of coach. This is why I said yesterday, this is nothing about Craig
5: Berube to me. I don't think Barubi is a bad coach. I don't think he was the problem. I don't think he was even like a top five problem for this team. However, sometimes weird stuff happens in the NHL where you just got to make a move with the coach. I can't explain it. I think it's absurd that NHL players just like tune out their coach. All of a sudden they're like, yeah, I don't care about what you have to say anymore, but it happens. It happened to Ken freaking Hitchcock. If it can happen to that dude, who's a Hall of Famer, it can happen to anybody. So Craig Berube, who I believe is a very good coach, it wasn't working anymore. They decided to make the move. And Alex, now we get to find out, are they going to actually respond? And if you wanted an opponent to respond against, this is a pretty good one. Ottawa is not a very good hockey team right now. You should be able to see the response tonight in the kind of response that Doug Armstrong is looking for. Accountability, physicality, compete, emotion that is the kind of stuff that you as a fan will immediately be able to see whether it's there or not.
4: Yeah, I mean this is the prototypical game where you're about to find out because every time and I had this stat when the Blues played the Minnesota Wild in the past like 10 years when a team fires their coach, I think there was only two times that that team lost the first game. So typically you get a boost in energy because you know you got to go out there and prove that it shouldn't have been them it's on us blah blah blah. The Ottawa Senators, though, although are not a great team, they're a team that has a Brady Kachuk and will play physical with you. And they just beat the Detroit Red Wings 5-1 to one a few nights ago. So this is the type of game that you're going to be focusing on two areas if you're a Blues fan and also Doug Armstrong. The passion and the physicality. Those are going to be the areas that, look, if this team goes out there and just kind of bides their time and waits for those odd man rushes, You're going to know that this was a team and not a coach decision, because if Ottawa outplays you and Ottawa team that just lost to the Carolina Hurricanes, then you just got your answer in one game. Now I will tell people the flip side of this. Don't fall for fool's gold in this one tonight. Oh,
5: they can't win you back over with one game. No, but
4: (laughs) That what will happen, and I, I'm already preparing myself for post game.
0: This is what I'm going to lead with on they're the show gonna go tomorrow. They're going to go
4: out and they're going to perform well, and then all of the trolls are going to come out from under their bridge. Oh, this is why they had to fire Craig Barumi. <laughs> yeah. couldn't coach this team. That's not what this is. That's this is me tomorrow. This is the boost of energy that happens when a team realizes that they just got a coach fired and they perform well. This is going to be another uh, extend our, our taxes IRS, please, for another yeah. month before we decide.
0: Yeah, well, I, I'm skeptical of them responding tonight because if they couldn't get up for the two worst teams in the East and I get it, the message was stale from Craig Bruby, potentially. Man, what? why should I believe you're going to have this quote-unquote come-to-Jesus moment when Craig Bruby gets fired and you're going to show up tonight against Ottawa? Like... I don't believe they will. I I think they're going to get beat tonight. I really do believe that. And I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong and we actually see a response from the team. I honestly
5: don't even care if they win or lose. Like, is that a weird thing to say? Maybe, but it doesn't matter
4: if they win or lose. It matters what they look
5: like. I I care about if they just go out there and look like they care. Because I've seen so many quotes over the last year and a half that are coming out of the Blues locker room afterwards that say something to the effect of, yeah, we had it for like 40 minutes, but then there was that second period where we just didn't play hockey. We like forgot that we needed to show up. Or yeah, there's just guys in this locker room that don't seem to be willing to invest enough for the team. I don't want to hear that. That's the thing that I don't want to hear. If you lose 3 to 2 and it's a tough, hard-fought game going, I don't care who the opponent. Fine. That's fine. I can live with that, man. As a Blues fan, I can watch that game, see that you're emotionally invested, that you're physically invested, and we can all move forward with our lives. It's the lack of compete. It's the lack of try that bothers me on a night in night out basis. Well,
4: and that's what Doug Armstrong said yesterday. Like you're going to lose games that you outplay against your opponent. And that's fine. It's when you walk away and say that team just plain, simple outplayed you. And first period, I think is going to be the best period for this team tonight. The problem is going to be the second and third period. And it's been the problem all season for this team. What do they look like? 40 minutes in, what do they look like? 50 minutes in, what do they look like? 60 minutes in, because at some point, this team that has been the same team for over a year now they're going to hit their wall where they get up by a goal or two goals and say, ah, we got this. I mean, really we only have to watch the first period and find oh, out good. who scores first.
5: That's true. No, they broke <laughs> that. I mean, they broke that the full- other
4: game. They scored first and they lost. Yeah. So no more of those. Well, if they don't
0: score first, we know what's happening yeah. then. What then are you talking about? They off. came
4: back and beat Arizona when Arizona yeah. scored first.
0: I haven't seen them play a full 60 minutes but, like, three times this year. So I'm not going to believe they're going to show up and do it tonight even though there's a new coach. I, I just don't see it. I. Th- you want to talk about being out on a team about as far out as possible on the St. Louis Blues right now? So, we know, buddy. We know. I, Don't worry. Yeah. Calm I, down I, over there, Tanner. We get it. You're mad. I'm not necessarily <laughs> mad. I'm just I feel realistic. You oh, know, th- he I, doesn't care enough to be mad at yeah. this point. They
5: they have no emotional investment. I feel like in Tanner's it's already mind.
0: July of the Cardinals season. That's where I'm at on the St.
5: Louis Blues. The so, Blues did make some decisions when it came to the line combinations earlier today uh, with Bannister on the ice for the first time as the head coach of the St. Louis Blues he has decided Booch Thomas Kairou you're back together baby let's put the boys back together
4: did don't Berube leave like center. Did Berube leave like a post-it note on his desk be like hey just go back to Booch Thomas and Kairou man <laughs> don't, don't
0: put Booch at center it cost me my job uh, true <laughs> uh,
5: Saad Shin and Kapanen is your second line heading into tonight Torpchenko back in the top nine baby uh, just yes. can't quit him Hayes mm, and Neighbors as your third line It's good to see Hayes <laughs> back at center Once again, yes. we don't have three centers on the same line I'll I will that that's s- probably a good decision I'll take
4: the 78% from the faceoff dot On the center pl- position, please And then
5: Mackenzie and welcome back, good sir You are with Sunquist and McGing As the fourth line Wow Oh boy. Uh, Alexandrov and Blay are your extras when it comes to the forwards. Defensively, another decision that has been made. The top four is the same. Letty, Pareko, Krug, Falk, but Scandela is in with Tucker tonight. No Perunovic. And we'll see who ends up starting in net. I have not seen anything yet on that as to who's uh, the first off of the ice. I'm Bannister. I'm going
4: to Bennington. The first game, game is like, yeah, yeah. I'm going to need Bennington in this one.
5: Uh, Alex, what did you make of the decisions there? Biggest ones, Torpchenko in your top nine again. They've gone back to the sitters playing center. Uh, no play in the lineup. No uh, Perunovic in the lineup. Yeah,
4: I mean, Torvchenko in the top nine, fine. Basically, you have no other top nine forward on this team. Fourth line, little surprising. They went with McEachern there, but McEachern plays with, I would assume, the fire that Drew Bannister and the Blues want. Um, I understand the Tucker. I don't like the Tucker thing because I think Perunovic deserves to be in the lineup. He's playing well. But Tucker, and this is a physical team with Brady Kachuk. You need that physicality. The one for me that I'm, I'm highlighting and I'm circling is Cairo. I, I think when you go back to Cairo with Thomas and Booch damage and I told you guys this with that Detroit Red Wings game Why you put Cairo back up with that top line of Thomas and neighbors is look We have hired a coach Everybody's talking about it around the National Hockey League. You're an eight million dollar player We need you to play like an eight million dollar player. So you're on our top line We need the compete. We need the passion. We need the aggressiveness on that top line with Thomas and Butch, name I I personally feel like this is a all eyes on you Kairu, situation.
5: Blues are back in action tonight. First game with a new head coach. No more Craig Berube here in St. Louis. Pre-game with Alex starts at six
4: o'clock. It's Bennington's bobblehead night tonight. Oh, Come Benner's on, BK. in playing. No, <laughs> a Benner.
5: as the JP Morosi reporter. I can exclusively report Hofer's based starting. on them having the bobbleheads that Benner will be in net. Tonight. I want one of those bobbleheads so first bad. off the
4: ice, he's on his little.
5: Is he? Yeah. He's okay. on his little scooter. Glad that I exclusively reported that. You're welcome. Yeah. You're like Morosi. You clicked it, man. Exactly. Way to go. Seven o'clock. He was indeed on the plane. Seven o'clock. Puck drop right here on 101 <laughs> Just... ESPN, your home of the St. Louis Blues. Coming up in about 15 minutes or so, we'll continue discussing the Blues with Joey Vitale in the 12 o'clock hour. We're going to be joined by another one of the great hockey insiders in North America. That is Darren Drager of TSN. So tell all your fans to gather around. Darren Drager joining the show coming up at 1215. But next... The Cardinals wouldn't actually do this, right? We'll discuss it next here on 101 ESPN.
2: We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
5: like we didn't talk Ew. enough about the Cardinals rotation it's uh, yeah. a full day of the doing sheets? radio didn't not not a single time did we mention the Cardinals the rotation the free agent pitchers trade mm-hmm. options we didn't mention any of it and Alex good because it's the off season and nobody cares didn't All feel right. right to me
0: I'm just gonna turn your mic off that didn't was embarrassing feel
5: right to me so we got to get back to it coming up in about 15 minutes or so we'll talk to Joey Vitale don't worry we'll get back to your blues but yeah we will Alex, Kylie McDaniel of ESPN.com wrote something yesterday that I found to be very interesting. He was breaking down where we're at in the offseason, what we have learned thus far, and what it all means for the free agents that still remain out on the market. He said something about Blake Snell that I think is worth discussing here for the Cardinals. He said, quote, I could see teams that had merely kicked the tires on Blake Snell early in the cycle, circling back with a contract that uh, turns into something like a front-loaded contract three-year, $100 million contract that would provide a strong AAV and an opt-out or two that would give Snell a chance to jump back into the market when it is a bit less crowded, end quote. His basic (laughs) belief is this has not been the market that Blake Snell thought it was going to be for him. There have not been the suitors that he expected it to be. It's pretty cool surrounding whether or not he's going to get a massive contract this offseason let's operate under that assumption for a moment, Alex. And I think this could change depending on what happens with Yamamoto. Like, there's still a lot that has to be left to be decided. But if it's true that there's not a huge market surrounding Blake Snell, and he would be open to the idea of a three-year deal worth $100 million where maybe there's an opt-out or two involved in it, and it's 30 a year, let's say, somewhere around there. Not will the Cardinals do that. Should the Cardinals be interested in making
4: a move like that, in your opinion? Well, absolutely, they should. I mean, if the guy's willing to sign for a lesser amount of years and a doable amount of salary that you can make work, yeah, you should be checking in on this. If you don't, shame on you, because he's better than Sonny Gray and Miles Michaelis, and a one-two punch of Snell and Gray is very dangerous for a team, specifically in the Central Division and also the National League. It's not going to happen, though. And it's not anything about, oh, the money. And it, Let's go back to what John Mozeliak said at his press conference.
0: We need another starter.
4: We want guys that want to be here. And you think Blake Snell's now that his contract is coming down a peg, is like, <laughs> you know what? I want to play for less, and I want to be in St. Louis. Probably. No. No. You need to go change those sheets because you're going to sweat on them again later on tonight. Uh, that's the part that gets me. John Mozeliak has this... This fantasy world of like, oh, guys want to play for St. Louis Cardinals. There's a certain group that absolutely do. But guys like Blake Snell, it's probably at the bottom of their priority list. Because at the top is, I want to go win. And if I'm signing for three years, $100 million, and there's an opt-out opportunity, I'm going to go to A, a team that looks like a World Series contender, and B, a team that knows how to get the best out of his specific type of skills as a pitcher. So should they? Absolutely. Will they? Sorry to... Ruin your parade.
0: You just suck, man, you know? I know. i sorry. I, should they? A- absolutely, they should be involved if this is going to be what he's looking for because it's a shorter-term deal, and though the AEV would be probably higher than what I think he would get if it was like a five-, six-year deal, yeah, you should be interested in it because when he is right and locked in and he's won two Cy Youngs because of that, his stuff is beyond better than Sonny Gray's stuff. Now, there are going to be years potentially where, like, he has a 4 ERA, a three five ERA, and his stuff is still good, but it's more in line with the Sonny Gray, I would say, and he's walking more. Um, but absolutely, they should have interest in this. If, if his market is going to fall like this, and it's going to be a like three-year deal, 30 mil, and you can have some options on it, absolutely, because a shorter-term deal with a guy with his kind of profile just makes more sense. And then you have that rotation that when it comes to town on turn, people go, oh bleep, we got to see Blake Snell and Sonny Gray. And now you've done exactly what the goal was this offseason, which was get two starters that slot in ahead of Miles Michaelis. And now you actually have a decent one-two punch for October as well.
5: Yeah, this would be something that I'd be all over. You don't have to give up talent to be able to go acquire him, so you're not talking about what you'd have to give up for Tyler Glass now or Dylan Cease. In fact, I would just flat out rather have... Blake Snell on this three-year contract, even if there is opt-outs, more than I would want Tyler Glass now because of what you'd have to give up in terms of the talent to be able to make that work. And the money isn't all that dissimilar. If you're paying $30 million this year for Blake Snell or $25 million for Tyler Glass now, man, give me Snell. And put him at the front end of this rotation. I saw somebody on our text line at 314-399-9646 is the Air Comfort Service text line said, Hey, guys, the Cardinals still need to go out there and fix the bullpen. If you ended up adding Blake Snell, you probably couldn't do that. True. And I'm fine with it. If you ended up going out and getting Blake Snell and you just put Steven Matz into your bullpen. Cool. Let's do it. Like, you've thrown numbers at the problem in the bullpen. You probably go out and acquire a couple more guys that are, like, lower end of the spectrum types of deals. Maybe you'd make one more deal for a bullpen arm via trade. Cool. There are always relievers that are available at the deadline, and the Cardinals have shown an ability and a willingness to go make those kinds of deals. What the Cardinals have not shown is the willingness or ability to go make a deal for a number one caliber starter. That, I, Alex... T-Bone, you guys tell me if I'm wrong. Can you remember them making such a deal at a trade deadline in the last 20 years? Jose Quintana. Yeah, I mean, like, seriously, is is there a guy that the Cardinals have acquired in that realm over the last 20 years? They never go out and get involved. Like, they're not even but involved I, in those kinds of trades. I, I
0: agree with you, but who's a bullpen Like, am I forgetting a bullpen arm that they've brought in that's a high leverage bullpen arm at the deadline in recent years? At the deadline in recent years? I can't think of like, one immediately. Because I had, agree like,
5: with you. Juan that they traded for. Yeah, he was not really. I know. A, <laughs> He's like seventh inning guy. Like, uh, I would have bought more if you said of- Stratton.
4: He's <laughs> fair. <laughs> um, Woody Williams is the one that comes to mind.
5: That was 20 years 2001, ago. Man. 2001, ladies like and Ace. gentlemen.
4: I mean, no, but when he came he here, was, he was an good. ace. See, he was a I, don't, he was
0: probably, I don't remember because I was a diapers still. I but,
4: mean, I was 11, but if but I remember like, correctly, he was their best pitcher that season. When
5: guys become available at the deadline, the, the legit front end starters, you never even hear the Cardinals connected in those conversations because of what it costs to get them. So instead, get them in the offseason. And if it's actually this kind of a market... It's not as many years, which is what scares the Cardinals. It's why they were interested in a guy like Sonny Gray, because you can get him on a three-year deal that's not just this outlandish amount of money. If Blake Snell is actually having a market that is yet to develop, the Cardinals should be all in on going out and saying, hey, I know you probably don't want to play in the Midwest. This is not your first idea of what you want to do. Let's go shove, and let's go prove yourself to the rest of the market. And if you come win here... Either you're going to get that $30-plus per year, which is a pretty nice payday for Blake Snell, or you can hit the market again in a year and see if somebody else is willing to take you on. Maybe then L.A. becomes available to you or New York or something else. Maybe one of those teams suddenly is more interested in your services. So if I'm the Cardinals, this would 100% be something that I would be willing to go out there and explore. Do, do I think they will? No. But I think they absolutely should be in the market like this.
0: Yeah, I I agree. Will they do it? No. This is what I find interesting because now that we're having this conversation is, you know, Mo says, like, we shouldn't just build through free agency. You know, like, when he says, like, making a splash it's not just through free agency. It's via trades as well. Uh, They can't go into the season short, in my opinion, in one thing or the other. Because when have they swung a trade for a high leverage reliever? We just talked about it. I can't think of a name that they've done it for recently. Those guys
5: are cheaper, though, to acquire. They are,
0: but... They haven't done it. And, and that's the thing is like, yeah, I agree. They are cheaper than like going out and they getting also a starter. It, to be
5: fair. It I mean, also hasn't been something that see, they've done. This, is where, into this the, is where
0: I would push back where they say like, we don't need that arm. I'd go, well, yeah, you do because you should be building for October. Like, you as,
4: can't as, build for October if you don't get to October.
0: All right, Mo, but <laughs> it's July. You should start building for October at no. July. We build, f- yeah. we build for I, April. I, and, like, look, in certain years, and, and I think they end up, maybe it is more so they haven't been able to go out and make this move because they put themselves in the position they are at at the deadline, which is, oh, crap, we're actually an 84-win team. We need to build just to get to 90 just to win the division and get in. But I, it, they haven't shown a ability to go out and be willing to trade for that back-end arm, and they haven't been able to show an ability to go and trade for that front-end starter. So, keep leaving yourself short and then saying, like, but oh, right hey, we'll now go you do have it. a back
5: end arm. Like, I can talk myself into them having a back end arm in Ryan Helsley. I can't talk myself into anybody being a number one starter. But, Nobody. Agreed, <sighs> but. I think you need more than
0: one back end arm.
5: That Fair. would be my my But encounter. you can go get a 7th or 8th inning arm at the deadline for a reasonable yeah. price. You cannot do that with yeah. a number one starter. That's if right. If Ryan Helsley becomes what he was two years ago, you're fine in the 9th inning. You might have somebody that emerges from your bullpen currently that can be your 8th inning setup, man. You have nobody, nobody that can be, even if you want to call Sonny Gray the number one, you have nobody that can slot in as your number two starter. That's where I would say, like, this team's going there's no doubt about it, to go into the season light in one of those two areas that we just discussed. And I think they are far more likely to acquire somebody that you can talk yourself into as an eighth or ninth inning arm at the deadline than going out and acquiring that guy that can start a game one or a game two of a postseason series for you where you feel comfortable with them going up against whoever it is that's coming up against you from the opposition. So if I had to make a decision, and you probably will, where are you comfortable being light? Way more comfortable for this team being light in the bullpen than being light in the rotation, given what they currently have assembled on the roster.
0: I agree with everything that you just said, and the reason I said that they need to answer both questions in the off season, whether you think they will do it or not, is because they view they talk about the trade deadline when we talk about the trade line as hey, they can go out and get a high leverage arm, which I agree. They and again, to me, they should have been doing that in previous years as well. They need to go out and get a high end start at the deadline. Well, They've, they say this stuff about the deadline of, oh, they should go out and they should do this at the trade deadline if they are light in this area. It's almost like a New Year's resolution for them, though. Right, they don't do to it. To where they say it, and then they don't do it. Just like okay. me, I'm going to get in shape this year. but if I, January 7th, I'm not going to be running still. That's fine. But so if, the if they go out and pay $30 right, million dollars
5: for Blake Snell and they, this offseason, have acquired... Blake Snell, Sonny Gray, Lance Lynn, and Kyle Gibson. I'm not going to get up here and be mad about it. That's a pretty damn good offseason if that's what you went out there and I'll set out to do and you Lynn were and able to go out there and acquire those guys. Yes, you're a little light at, in your bullpen. I don't care. We'll figure that out whenever we get there. Your rotation now is something that you haven't seen from this rotation in seven years. He's Alex. That's T-Bone on BK. We got to get to Joey Vitale, Blues <gasps> Analyst from Bally Sportsman My West. Up, 101 <laughs> ESPN.
2: Coming up next, you're on 101 ESPN we're right back to the bk and ferrario podcast presented by dobbs tire and auto centers on 101 espn joey vitale views things a little differently just imagine how he looks at hockey whoa this is the view from vitale brought to you by scott lee heating company a proud mitsubishi electric elite contractor
5: Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. Happy to go out to the 101 ESPN hotline to be joined by Joey Vitali a blues analyst for 101 ESPN and Bally Sports Midwest. Joe, big day yesterday out of the Centene Community Ice Center as Craig Berube was let go and Doug Armstrong was able to address the media. Today, you have Drew Bannister out there on the ice for the first time with his new team. We appreciate the time as always. Let's start out there. What did you make of the big news of Craig Berube being let go?
3: You know, uh, BK, it was something that I don't think was a surprise. I think something needed to change here. I think this was a team that was underperforming. And, you know, as cliche as it is in the sport of hockey, you know, this is just what they do. This is always the first step. They see if they can come in, bring in a new voice. You know, you can't really do much with the players. Obviously, especially with up against the cap, it's dollars in, dollars out. So, a very difficult situation from a player standpoint to change things midseason. So, really, the, the one and only thing to do uh, first step is is try a new coach. Drew Bannister, of course, now uh, replacing uh, Craig Barubi. Talked to some of the players this morning. I ran into Jordan Bennington. We had a good five minute conversation. I asked him about Chief. How's he doing? Are you going to miss him? And, you know, Jordan Bennington, he just looked me in the eyes and he said, listen, Joe, it was a great run. It was a great run. Amazing memories. Love the guy as a person, but we're also happy for him. He's going to move on. And he's going to be just fine. And, and now you got to turn the page. So a very business-like approach from a player standpoint. Uh, at the morning skate this morning, like you mentioned, Drew Bannister on the ice, blowing the whistle, you know, directing orders. Uh, it was a very long morning skate compared to how the Blues have been skating all year. And, and really under the tenure of Craig Berube, typically a morning skate for him is 20 minutes-ish up-tempo drills, a quick little stretch, get off the ice. Guys, this was probably a 35- to 40-minute morning skate, almost double the time. I would say two or three extra drills they did. So you can tell one of the things right off the hop this this coach's looking to do is to not only maybe practice more, but bring more details into the practice. So, right off the hop, a very different uh, style as far as the morning skates go for Drew Bannister.
4: Joe, you, you played in the NHL, you played in the AHL. We always hear about messages getting stale, which leads to coaches being fired. And you've seen this. How does a message get stale from a coach who won a Stanley Cup?
3: Well, I think Alex, like anything else, it's just sometimes you need to change up. You know, it's why It's why we as humans, we love, you know, taking trips and going on vacations. And it's a breath of fresh air. And then you come home and it's just that emotional and mental reset. Sometimes you need, you know, from a player standpoint, uh, it's not that the message from Craig Berube maybe was a bad message. Like anything, it just maybe gets a little bit stale. And you have, you know, the same veterans, you know, whether it be Braden Shen or, you know, Colton Farako or Jordan Bennington, These guys have been around Chief for a very long time. It is the same message. He's trying to get the guys to you know activate in a certain way, and sometimes it's just a different tone, a different wording. You know, one thing about Drew Bannister, uh, from what we understand so far, is doesn't say a lot. He's a very more 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 stoic presence. They think uh, guys talking. Mackenzie McKeever and Human McGee mentioned them this morning. What's his style like? Uh, of course, like they said, he doesn't he doesn't babble too much. He's very. Uh, precise about the words he chooses. He never repeats himself, and his message is very simple. So if you look at a team right now that is certainly looking for a little bit of a spark, I think maybe sometimes less is more, and we'll see if it uh, trends that way here tonight.
5: Joe, they did make a couple of changes to the lineup. You mentioned McKenzie Macacher and he's going to be in there. They they're putting Tyler Tucker back in the lineup instead of Perunovic and they've reunited uh, the Kyru Thomas and Buchnevich line. What'd you make of the decisions when it came to the the personnel going into tonight's game?
3: Yeah, I think that it was, you know, right off the hop I I, I want to say that, you know, Doug Arshaw probably had a good say in what what the lineup was going to look like. I think that, you know, clearly there's been some adjustments where, you know, Drew Bannister I don't think he's got his grasp on this team well enough yet to say, hey, th- these are the guys I know. I think he's just getting familiar. So i would like to think that Steve Ott and, you know, of course, you know, Doug Armstrong has had a big say in the lineup here tonight. I love I Kairu up on this top line. I think you have to figure out a way to instill more confidence in Kyru. I think he needs a spark, and maybe him with Bucinavich and Thomas will do just that. Mackenzie McEachran, talked to him again here this morning. He actually got called up right after he heard that Bannister was going they did not travel to St. Louis together I thought they would have even though they came in on the same day their flights were a few hours apart but Mackenzie McEachern of course is going to bring that speed he's going to bring tenacity he's going to be hard on the forecheck He's just a really depend- dependable winger there on that fourth line so a few different changes on top of Jordan Binnington going back into the cage here tonight and he has been facing a lot of rubber and like I said I talked to him this morning and his body is feeling really good he's been staying in great shape and and looking forward to the big challenge here tonight. Joe, is is a move like
4: moving on from Craig Berube? And I hate to just hem in on that one because obviously it's kind of moved on now. You go to this next one. But if you're guys like Braden Shen and Colton Pareko who have been around, who have seen the success that comes into play, is this the move that kind of pushes those guys over the edge to start maybe getting into guys a little bit more if it's not
3: working out on the ice? Well, I'll tell you one thing, Alice. I think that without Craig Berube there, I think you're going to see veterans have to step up more. I think that, you know, listen, Craig Berube was such a great vocal presence. And I think that when you have a, a great motivator like Craig Berube, what's going to happen is you're going to end up kind of leaning on him a little bit. And maybe that's part of the messaging. And, and you listen every championship team that you see in the national hockey league, it's the leadership from within the room. I mean, the championship teams, they kind of steer themselves, if you will, and and a lot of times with a an emotional coach that has always great messages, you can kind of, that, that veteran player-to-player player can get lost a little bit. So now, you know, Drew Bannister comes in, and it's an interesting point, because now you look at, like, well, hey, maybe a quieter coach, a more stoic presence, and now you're going to have to have, you know, certain players step up more and be that vocal uh, presence on the bench, or maybe the locker room, and and maybe that's the quieter coach is something that's going to kind of galvanize this group together where they're going to have to come together because that is the message. You know, one, one thing is certain, and, and you brought up, you know, coaching changes, and I, I've been a part of some of the player. I've seen a bunch now as a broadcaster. I've being been in that locker room, and, and one thing that is going to be going through everyone's mind for those players here tonight moving forward, and if it doesn't, they're going to be in trouble, players need to start stepping outside their comfort zone. I mean, that, that is what this says. We've lost a coach. The players are next. The Blues are in a very interesting stretch right now, where they're one game below 500. They have to figure out a way to get above 500 again before January one, in my opinion, to really have a good shot at this thing. And listen, their opponents are going to be tough. You know, aside from the Ottawa Senators here tonight, you're facing the Colorado's. You got multiple Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, You have to go down to Florida for a Tampa Panthers run. I mean, that's always a challenge as well down in Florida. So plenty of good hockey teams are facing coming up. And from the player standpoint everyone's got to look inside themselves and they have to bring an extra level that maybe they're not familiar with. If you're Marco Scandella, maybe you have to start getting a little bit chippier. You know, maybe if you're, let's call it a Mackenzie McEachern tonight, maybe if that nastiness isn't a part of your normal brand, maybe, maybe you bring it to some degree here tonight. Whatever it is, everyone's got to figure out a way to dig inside themselves a little bit, get outside that comfort zone if they want to start steering this thing in the right direction.
5: Joey Vitale is our guest here on 101 ESPN. Joe, final question that I've got for you: uh, whether it's Bannister or somebody else who ends up coming in here for the long term, what do you think that the Blues need in their next head coach?
3: Well, they need a head coach that is going to try to fix this power play. I mean that that is the number one thing, you know. And it's it's funny, this well, it's not funny, but it's it's actually easier to fix this season than a lot of people would think. I think a lot of people are looking at all the goals against you're looking at the wins losses, but if you were to focus on one area and one area alone, you'd be absolutely shocked if we can improve in this area, how this team not only would look a lot differently, they'd they'd be in a different spot in the standings and maybe Craig Berube is still the head coach. I mean, go back to that last game, for example, you have a six on four, you draw a penalty late, you pull your goal. It's a six on four. If you get a power play goal right there, all of a sudden, you take this game to overtime. I don't like the way Billy Husso played in that game. I thought he was swimming all over the place. To me, that Blues team wins that game, especially if they get to a, sh- uh, a shootout. So, there's just one example. Guys, there's been like at least eight or nine examples oh, yeah. of it this year where they are so close at the end. Maybe they have a power play late to get the equalizer, maybe get ahead by one, whatever it is. You know, you're at 8% right now or something like that. Well, even if you double that to 16%, which still isn't great, but if you just double that, and let's say you go from seven power play goals, and let's say you have 15 at this point, I'm telling you, it's a difference about three or four or five games, and you may be looking at a difference of 10 points, which it completely drastically changes the trajectory of this division and where they are at the standing. So for a new coach to come in He's got to figure out a way to instill more confidence into the skilled players that Doug Armstrong's put together. You got great skill. You got Thomas Bushnavish, Cairo. You got a great passer and disher in Prunovich and Crew. The net firm presence of Kevin Hayes. These are proven goal scorers, guys. There's plenty of talent on paper. They should be having more success. So it's up to the head coach, whoever they bring in, to figure out a way to instill confidence that these guys are great hockey players, and they can score goals, and this power play can make a difference in some game.
5: Alex has mentioned it a number of times on the show, the number of opportunities this team has had down by one goal or up by a goal to be able to either put the game away or tie the game on the power play. They, just, they haven't converted. Joe, appreciate the time as always, man. Looking forward to the call with you in curbs later on tonight here on 101 ESPN. We will certainly be tuning in for that. Appreciate the time as always. We'll talk with you again next week, my man.
3: Sounds good, boys. You guys have a great day now. See you, Joe.
5: That's Joey Vitale, Blues Analyst for 101 ESPN and Bally Sports Midwest. Appreciate his time, as
4: always. Uh, power play, as he mentioned, it goes to 16%. You'd be 23rd in the National Hockey League. So oh my significant God, jump if you just double it from 8% that you're at right now. But you're now. still
5: bottom half of the league. That's yeah, crazy. you're still bottom
4: half of the league. You're which,
5: so bad right now that you could double your uh-huh. percentage of goals on the power play, and you would still be considered a bottom 10 power play in the but NHL. That's his, crazy. But
4: to his point you'd be in the same area as the Winnipeg Jets who are holding a playoff spot you'd be in the same area as the hold on let me see who else was on there like there are playoff teams that have 16% power play so like there are other sides to this thing Colorado's at 19% Minnesota's at 17% so like there are teams that don't have the best power play that are still really good teams but the Flyers at eleven percent. This this team, it's just the power play has plagued them more times than not. And if you're curious, and look, you can't judge Drew Bannister from the Miners with this one tonight because this is more going to be Steve Ott and Mike Weber coaching and Bannister just helping and out.
5: What's his face? That's a uh, analyst now, apparently. Yeah, for the Mike Blues. Babcock Jr. Yeah. Nope. the new guy that they brought. Oh, in.
4: Brad Richards. Yep. Oh yeah, Brad Richards is going to be doing all of that. I'll talk to Joe about that tonight on pregame. But I mean, Bannister had a power play that was 19% with the Springfield Thunderbirds. And I mean, think of who's on that power play, like no disrespect to him, but Nathan Walker, Mackenzie McEachern, Adam Gaudet. like you didn't have the, the prowess that you're going to have on this one. So it'll be interesting. That's going to be a massive part of it. But to Joe's point at the beginning with Jordan Cairo, getting him going and instilling some confidence, man, if, if he still struggles the rest of the season, that is going to be task number one by this new head coach. Blues versus
5: Senator tonight. Alex has the pregame coverage starting at 6 o'clock right here on your home of the Blues. Curbs and Joey with the call. Puck drop at 7. By the way, you can join Chris Kerber in 101 ESPN on Sunday at the new Chicken and Pickle in St. Charles. Sunday is the first pickleball tournament ever ever at the new chicken and pickle location and it's an ugly sweater tournament plus plenty more happening at their new facility which includes 11 pickleball uh courts you can check it all out this sunday with chris kerber who will be live at chicken and pickle from 11 to 1 o'clock out in st charles get more information at 101 espn.com 314-399-9646 is the Air comfort service text line questions and answers is coming up next here on 101 espn <laughs>
2: We're right back to the BK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. You've got questions, we may have the answers. Maybe it's BK and Ferrario's questions and answers on 101 ESPN.
5: 999646 is the air comfort service text line for questions and answers. If you guys have any questions in, get them in now on the air comfort service text line from the 636. Alex, do you think that the blues would trade Krug or Nick Letty if they end up missing the playoffs this year?
4: I I think they'll trade Krug or Nick Letty whenever they want, but Krug and Nick Letty get to decide. And and honestly, if I'm Krug, unless you're sending me, And I'm just putting myself in his shoes. No reporting here. Unless you're sending me to my hometown, which would be Detroit, or you're sending me back to Boston, I'm not going anywhere. He's got young kids. He's got a family who wants to stay where he is. And I can't blame him for that as much as people get frustrated with it. And if you're Nick Letty, you're comfortable here. Why would you want to be traded away? He's won a cup. Krug, I would imagine, wants to win a cup before he retires. So maybe that's the only reasoning behind accepting a trade but yeah i think the blues are going to always try and find trades to better their defensemen the problem is all of these no trade clauses good thing you didn't let players dictate the uh, organization
0: yeah i think they'll try in the offseason no matter what happens to move on from one of those two I don't know if they'll be successful or not because of the no-trade clauses. I, I could see the scenario. I mean, Army talked a big game yesterday. We'll see if he's willing to actually do it. I could see a scenario where they potentially try to buy out the Nick Letty contract.
4: I do, too, especially if they veto another trade. I could see him enacting it if they have a move in place next season for something better.
0: I don't know. That if sounded would, bad. Not something better. I don't know if they would do Krug because it would cost him a lot more on the cap but letty and I, longer yeah and longer letty would be the one that like if they were going to buy out a contract and army had mentioned about potentially doing that that's the one that i could see them potentially Nick letty, doing letty
5: if you bought out his contracts be 2 years left uh, it'd be 4 years that you'd be paying it out so 2 years on top of what yeah. you're currently paying uh 1.5 mil on the cap hit for 2024 and then 211 so that one you could probably yeah. do. You can get doesn't, away with it. That. that
4: one doesn't kill you as much as uh a crew gorilla. Like save
5: you a ton. Like that's the other thing about buying out Nick Letty is like uh, it is saves the player you, worth
4: saves more? You two or three mil.
5: Yeah, it saves you about two million bucks next year and then it costs you an extra million bucks for a couple of years. So like there's, it's not, there's it's not hurting there. You. And with
4: the cap going up four mil this year and four mil next year, it's not hurting you. My
5: question would be like, are you just better off keeping him for uh, four million dollars?
4: The only way you buy out a player is if you were upgrading, which to me you trade or you get to know a Noah Hannafin in the offseason and say, okay, when well we- I would buy out his crew
5: because it's two million dollars over 2025 to 2029. So that's a long time, but it's two million bucks. You're saving real money. So there. only two million dollars? Two million per year. Yep. Oh, yeah. yeah you'd, you would end up spending about twelve and a half million dollars to buy him out, but in order
4: to do, so... I thought so, it costed you, you more if you bought. It's according Krug to out. CapFriendly.com,
5: yeah. so I'm using their buyout calculator. Well, yeah, that saves you um, more money, and and yeah. I mean, Nick Letty, you would save six million dollars on the cap next year, four million dollars a year after that, and then almost four million dollars a year after that, and then. Two million bucks for three years, yeah, and Nick Letty's somebody that you
4: could seeing. use on a third pair, second pair yeah. at times. But again, you don't do any of this unless you're upgrading your defense. Because as much as people want to complain about Tory Krug and Nick Letty, they are playing 21, 22 minutes a night, and if you're not playing those guys. You're playing Tyler Tucker and Scott Perunovich in your top four.
5: Uh, A couple of things left here. Three one four three nine 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 six four six is the Air Comfort Service text line for questions and answers. By the way, in 15 minutes, we'll talk blues with Darren Drager of TSN. In my opinion, one of the best insiders in all of North America. Guys, more likely to happen. The Eagles are eliminated in the first round of the playoffs or they win the Super Bowl
4: this year. I'll say it's more likely they win the Super Bowl. I don't think they can, but I don't believe they're going to get bounced in the first round. I don't know what the matchup would be. The playoffs were to start today. Depends on if they end up uh, having a better record yeah. than the Cowboys I, or not. I, I, I think the Eagles are going to be better than whoever they play in that first round. I don't As know. As of if, today, they would play against the Bucs.
5: Yeah, no, and I, they
4: wipe the floor with the Bucks. I don't even uh, think. The but Bucks if they would. were to
5: win the NFC East, they would play against the Packers. Also, Obviously, a huge. difference.
4: Wipe the floor with that team, too. So, yeah, I'll say it's more likely they win the Super Bowl.
0: I'll say more likely they get bounced in the first round. I they remind me so much of the Minnesota Vikings from last year. Now, Grant, again, I've said this before. Little caveat. They have much better talent than what I think the Vikings had. But they're like, I think it's five and one or six and one in one score games. They barely have a plus point differential, even though they've got 10 wins. And the offense has felt just off all year and their defense isn't that great. So I could easily see them losing in the first round to whoever they end up playing and laying an egg. I don't see them beating a Dallas, a San Francisco. They could probably beat Detroit, but they're going to have to beat one of those two that I said, Dallas and San Fran, to get to the Super Bowl. So I think it's more likely that they end up losing in the first round.
5: I think it's more likely they win the Super Bowl. I'd be pretty surprised if they lose in the first round of the playoffs. And the reason why is because of the teams that they're likely to play. I think if they end up, Um, winning the division, they're probably going up against one of the Vikings, Packers, Rams, etc. I think they're going to beat any of those teams. Or if they end up losing out on the division, they will almost certainly be the five seed, which means you're playing against whoever wins the NFC South. Guys, I will take the Cowboys or take the Eagles minus whatever it is, six points probably against whichever NFC South team that they end up playing in that first playoff game. So I think it's very unlikely they lose in that first round. I will take them to win the Super Bowl, even though it will be an incredibly tall task to beat one of, maybe both of, the Cowboys and the 49ers. Coming up in 15 minutes, we'll talk to Darren Drager about the St. Louis Blues and all of the news that surrounds them. But next, the Yakub Vrana decision. We didn't really make much of it, Alex, because – it felt like it was time to move on from Yakub Vrana. Did that decision and the lack of success from players like Vrana over the last few years play into ultimately Craig Berube's downfall here in St. Louis? We'll talk about it next year on 101 ESPN.
2: We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
0: I definitely think that the Jacob Varana decision and how that played out over the last few days uh, certainly didn't help Craig Berube. I think Doug Armstrong really wanted to see more from Jacob Varana and and see him get an opportunity and, and something that Craig Berube
4: wasn't really willing or interested in providing.
5: That was Frank Cervalli. Zavali not sure well, he doesn't you know seem it for interested how in getting to the name correct Sarah so Valley. here we are he's Alex Ferrario that's Tanner Hendrickson and I'm Brandon Kylie. that was via the daily face-offs podcast Alex I don't think we've really given a whole lot of thought to hey how much did Jakub Vrana's lack of success here in St. Louis have to do with the firing of Craig Berube and frankly I think he's overstating things there however I do wonder if there is something to the notion of guys like Vrana whether it's him Kyru, uh, Mike Hoffman, um, you look at some of the puck-moving defensemen that have struggled here. Some of those types of players... Now, whether you think that this is Berube's fault, the system's fault, whatever, or if it's on the players, it's a separate conversation. But I do wonder if there's something to the idea that those guys and their lack of success long-term here in St. Louis... Maybe that has caused a little bit of skepticism on whether or not Barubi was the long term fix here in St. Louis.
4: I mean, I'm sure it's a massive piece of the pie as to why Craig Baroubi's not here when Doug Armstrong saw the success of Jakub Verana last season and then this season just sees a completely different player. Uh, but in, in defense of Craig Baruby, I would say Jakub Verana is a completely different player. Now, Verana was getting massive opportunities playing with Pavel Buchnevich in the top six. But you also didn't have guys that were outplaying him in the last season. And this season, Jake Neighbors outplayed Yakub Varana. Frankly, at times, Alexei Toropchenko outplayed Jakub Varana. In that game against the Chicago Blackhawks, Hugh McGing outplayed Jakub Varana. So True. I can understand why Craig Burby looked at it and said, look, if you're not going to give me the effort, you don't deserve to be in my top nine.
5: Totally agree, and by the way, like if you want to just go and ex- extend this a little further, Hoffman is a name that people bring up. Hoffman here in St. Louis had in his one season, 17 goals and 36 points, and was a plus two on the ice, believe it or not. Wow, that is surprising. It's shocking. Like, yeah. when I looked Especially because of I power like, play. He was a plus when he was on the ice? How? Yeah. That seems impossible. Meanwhile, since then, in more games, 67 games each of the past two seasons for Montreal, only played in 52 here for the Blues, has fewer goals, 15 and 14, the same number of assists, 20 in each season, fewer points, 35 and 34, and was a minus 24 and a minus 10 on the ice in those two seasons for Montreal. So he was worse in his next stop over two seasons than he was here in St. Louis when he was with the Blues. So it's worth noting that one of the pieces, players that we use as an example of why it doesn't work for forwards in that system for Berubey, went on to another system and had even less success there. Mike Hoffman, I think it's did really, two,
4: huh? Mike Hoffman did two systems that didn't work. He went to Montreal following the Blues and was not good, and then went to San Jose and was not good. And
5: he's Points-wise, been better in well, San Jose. Somebody's got to score on yeah, that 100%. team. <laughs> I'm, I'm yeah. totally with you. I think the real criticism is not about the forwards so much as it is the defensemen. That's where my map. If you want to look at Vince Dunn and the success or lack of here in St. Louis and how it has worked to a crazy high degree... Once he got up to Seattle, okay, fair criticism. Tory Krug worked really well in Boston, came here to St. Louis. To be honest, how's it really worked so far? Perunovic, his lack of success so far in the lineup or lack of opportunities, however you want to look at that. I think a lot of that is uh, injury related. But Jake Wallman having success up in Detroit. Like a lot of these guys seem to go elsewhere and actually have success with their new teams that hasn't happened when it comes to the forwards.
4: Yeah, and that's where I'm at. And, and I, I was reading it on TSN Sportsnet article last night uh, about the Berube firing. And then I, I was listening to a ton of different podcasts earlier today. Elliot Friedman on the 32 Thoughts, uh, John Scott on his podcast. And everybody was talking about they were focused on Jordan Cairo. But that article that I read with Sportsnet said maybe the focus should also be on the use of these mobile defensemen. Because one thing is very clear. Doug Armstrong and his scouting staff value puck-moving, smaller-stature defensemen. Hence, the Tory Krug and Nick Letty. Hence, look at their farm system. Like, not only do you have two smaller-stature guys in Buchinger and Gaudette, you've got a ton of goods, the Theo Lindstein that they just drafted in the first round, and then Vince Dunn and Jake Wallman, who are now having success elsewhere. And then you looked at Scott Perunovich, And, again, defensive Craig Berube, I'm not going to put Scott Perunovich up yet because he hasn't He's had enough games. Man. But... I personally thought in the last couple of weeks, Scott Perunovich has looked really good and deserved an opportunity to play over guys at times like Tory Krug and, and Nick Letty. And if I'm Doug Armstrong looking at the big picture with my team, I've got to figure out what this Scott Perunovich is. I've got to be able to find out if, if I can get the best out of this puck moving defenseman, because if not, maybe I need to change my strategy in the minor leagues. So welcome a new coach that says, we'll find a way to get these mobile defensemen involved because like it or not, that's the National Hockey League. Kale McCarr, Quinn Hughes. I think that
5: we have overstated how much these smaller, faster forwards That's are impacting That's what everybody the is drafting. the defense. The yeah. defense is where it's happening, where the change has really taken place. It's almost like defensive ends in the NFL. You look at what they used to be, man. They used to be 6'5", 270 pounds, just monsters coming off of the edge. Now you look at it, it's Micah Parsons. Like, it's guys that are the old-school linebackers. Like, Lawrence Taylor has become the norm. That type of a player, where it's just speed, 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 speed. That's puck-moving defensemen now.
4: And, like, if you go to the 2023 draft, I'm just sifting back through all of this. The defensemen that were taken in the first round, all but one are six-foot or smaller, including the guy that the Blues drafted, that Theo Lindstein. So this this is the way of the league. Adam Fox, Quinn Hughes, Kale McCarr, this is what teams value. Now, I personally still value size. I think size is very important in the National Vegas. Hockey League. Vegas. I, I mean, look at the guy in Buffalo with, um, what's his face, Owen Power and Rasmus Dahlin. Like, size is very important on the defensive side. But every team's got a puck moving, smaller stature, mobile defenseman. And, and I do think that the downfall of Craig Berube was not finding ways to to get the best out of those smaller stature defensemen because both Dunn and Wallman had opportunities in the top pair prior to them being moved and it never panned out. And some of this might be timing right? Like Vince Dunn has talked openly about how hey he needed to have a change of
5: scenery before he could really unlock Wallman too. He is as a player. Jake Wallman I I thought he played like a forward here in St. Louis he got to Detroit and even I don't know if he's still playing that way or not but he's (laughs) He's having success with whatever it is that he's doing while he's up there, and he's playing like 23 minutes a night. It's crazy, man. I didn't think he was capable of that. So some of it might just be as simple as these guys had a change of scenery. It kicked them in the behind a little bit and got them going in a way that they couldn't or wouldn't whenever they were here in St. Louis. But if I'm Doug Armstrong and I'm saying to myself, hey, you keep complaining about Uh, The talent that we've got on the blue line, man, these guys are talented. They've had success elsewhere. Why aren't we extracting that here in St. Louis? Why am I not seeing them play that way while they are in a blue note uniform? I, I would imagine that's at least part of what led to this decision. A bigger part, of course, like the number one blinking with red lights, alarm bells. Why is this team not playing hard? That is why you had to make the move. But then you get into the other explanations. It's the puck moving defenseman. It's a smaller forward. It's get unlocking Jordan Kyrou prior to that no trade clause kicking in. Like It's all of this other stuff, and you just needed to make a change.
4: And just to, to play devil's advocate and push back on, on what we're arguing here, because I, I do believe that that's part of it. If you look at all those teams that I just mentioned to you with those smaller puck moving defensemen, look at who their line mates are. Jake Wallman is playing with Marit Sider, who is expected to be like a Norris Trophy candidate on a yearly basis. He's still young. Um, Quinn Hughes was not this Quinn Hughes last season. They traded for Philip Ronick, who was not being utilized properly, and now that pairing is great. Cale McCarr hit his, his best games by playing with Devon Taves, who is a bigger stay-at-home sure. defenseman. The reason that a Dunn and a Wallman may not have worked here, not as just because, well, they didn't get the opportunities with the head coach. They weren't playing with the proper people that also in the personnel. Maybe
5: Krug or Perunovic should be playing with Pareko then. Yeah. They they kind of We've been saying Perunovic since preseason. That's what Doug Armstrong told us two years ago on the show, was that ideally he would like to see somebody like Krug or Perunovic playing with Colton Pareko. And they tried
4: Krug with Pareko, and and it just hasn't worked.
5: It was also very brief, and sometimes you need a little bit more chemistry together. I I don't know that it would have worked. It probably would have failed, but just... All of these things as we're trying to explore what happened, why are we here where a Stanley Cup winning coach was fired, all of this stuff is probably what was going through Doug Armstrong's mind as he was making the decision. Coming up next, we got to get to Darren Drager, Hockey Insider for TSN. What has he heard on why the Blues decided to make this move? How does Jordan Kyrou play into that discussion? We'll talk to Darren Drager, one of the best hockey insiders in North America next year on 101 ESPN.
2: We're right back to the BK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobb's Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
5: Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendricks, and I'm Brandon Kylie. We're always happy to go out to the 101 ESPN hotline when Darren Drager, the hockey insider for TSN, is on the other line. A few days ago, Alex, we saw the clip from Darren Drager on TSN saying, "Hey." Watch St. Louis, there may be something coming there, and a couple of days later, the Blues announced that they were firing head coach Craig Berube. Darren Drager joins us now here on the show to react to the news that Berube has been let go. Darren, we appreciate the time as always. Let's start out with this. What do you believe, based on your reporting, your understanding, was the biggest reason that led to Craig Berube's dismissal here in St. Louis?
1: Yeah, just, guys, uh, number one, thanks for having me, but just the overall play of the St. Louis Blues. Um, and now you can make the case that, you know, if you look back to the start of the year, I think the projection was that, you know, this team was likely going to be more or less a middle-of-the-pack team. And when you look at the standing, that's basically what you're seeing, and there's promise that this team is potentially going to be a playoff-worthy team. But they're not playing the way that we traditionally are used to seeing uh, Blues teams play hard-checking, heavy hockey, that sort of thing, at least not with any sort of level of consistency. And then you pair that with some of the underperforming players that you guys, I'm sure, have spent a lot of time talking about this season. And I i, I think it just led to the position of change for Doug Armstrong. Look, Army historically has shown he's not afraid to make a big trade, right? He's not afraid to do that. This we know. Um, but I think it just flat-out came down to, okay, well, You know, Greg Berube has had a terrific run with the St. Louis Blues, a very decorated coach, helped bring a Stanley Cup to St. Louis. There's everything about this man to like, but every coach in the National Hockey League has a shelf life and an expiry date. And unfortunately, that time is now for Greg Berube. You guys know how difficult this decision would have been for Doug Armstrong and by extension, Ownership, but it was a collection of things ultimately that led to the dismissal earlier this week.
4: Darren, do you feel like the the Blues are kind of forced into this p- decision because of the roster construction? Because you mentioned how the Blues play, we all know how they play, but when you look at the roster from top to bottom, it doesn't feel like the the that it matches the identity.
1: No, I get that, um, but in part, and and I'm reminded of this by experienced coaches all over the league. Um, you, know, you can look at the roster as you identify and say, okay, well, if the design is to continue to play the way that the successful teams do play in the Western Conference, again, that heavier hard-checking, hard-four-checking style, you, you'd better have the personnel on the ice to be able to do that. And I understand that, and I agree with that to a point. But you also have to have the will individually, no matter the, 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 the look of the player. There's, there's a certain way that you have to play consistently to win in the National Hockey League. And even top contending teams like you know the Toronto Maple Leafs, the Edmonton Oilers go through stretches where they don't play that way, which makes you question whether or not they're a top contending team. And I'm reminded of that on a consistent basis. And I'm also told by these experienced coaches that at the end of the day, yes, the player has to initiate and has to execute but the coach has to find a way to get that message through to those players so that they do execute on a consistent basis.
4: When you look in, and I'm only putting this player's name here because, Darren, everybody around the league is asking about him. When you just described that type of player and the will to go out there and prove it, do you see that in Jordan Cairo?
1: Well, what I see in Jordan Cairo is a high-skilled player, and there wouldn't be a team in the National Hockey League that wouldn't love to have that skill set. Can he provide more of what we've already talked about? Yeah, 100%. But he's still a young, developing player. Um, I don't know that. Well, I don't think we've seen the complete package in Jordan Cairo just yet. I think I could tell you the same thing of Robbie Thomas and, and go through the list. What I... What I had heard, and I and I believe to be true because I trust my source on this prior to the coaching decision being made earlier this week, was that when you look at that roster, it's pretty obvious that the Blues need another defenseman, and in a perfect world, they'd add a gritty forward, right? Somebody could help that penalty kill and bring on more of, of what we've already established here. I'm not convinced that Jordan Cairo can't play some of what we've already talked about, but that can't be a sole focus because we know what his skill set is. And, you know, but I'm not letting him off the hook here, fellas. Don't get me wrong. I hope that every player in that room took a hard look in the mirror because anytime there's a coaching change, and we've seen that a few times, there's also a coach bump. And I would expect that from the St. Louis Blues, maybe starting tonight against the Ottawa Senators. But this has to be gut check time for every player in that dressing room. I want
5: to stick with Kyru for just another minute, Darren, because he's making $8 million. He's He and Robert Thomas now are, are basically the faces of the next era of St. Louis Blues hockey. And so far this year, uh, Jordan Kyrie, th- I think has actually played a better all-around game for the most part, but only yeah. five goals. And that's what ends up getting uh, the criticism here in yeah. St. Louis. How much of this do you think just comes down to, hey, Jordan Kyrou's no-trade clause kicks in here in the next year or so, and they need to find out whether or not he's capable of doing all of the things that you're discussing. And the best way to find yeah. that out is by making that change at the head coach so you eliminate that variable.
1: No, I, I, I get that. And, and I, as we're having this conversation again on the heels of, of firing a very popular figure in St. Louis sports and Craig Berube, I can appreciate that position. Here's the reality check, though, here, fellas. If Jordan Cairo doesn't return to the offensive player that we know that he can and has been, uh, good luck moving that contract. But, I mean, let's just be frank here, right? It's, it's not like teams are lining up to take on $8 million deals. Um, now, uh, again, I, I think if you investigate the skill set, um, I think that there's still a lot of belief inside the organization that he's going to be a St. Louis Blue for a long time, and he's going to be one of their all round leaders, but needs to be an offensive leader. You know, maybe he finds his game offensively in the next little bit, and he finds that balance where, as you have described, yeah, he's got a little bit more all round play in his toolbox. But maybe the offense starts to come for him and we're not having this conversation as we creep closer to the March 8th trade deadline or into the off season. If we're having this conversation, then St. Louis has a problem because that's going to be a, a tough contract despite his age and what we think he's capable of. So, Darren, one
4: more on the coaching side and then I want to get back to the defense that you mentioned. But, you know, Doug Armstrong said yesterday that it's an open job interview drew bannister of course gets the interim tag but they're going to be looking around the national hockey league are there names that that come to mind that you think would make sense for the blues and the one that so many blues fans keep bringing up is joel quinville
1: well yeah it makes sense and there's no doubt about that um historically speaking we know that joel is uh, a good coach and he's done well with experienced rosters So I can understand the connection because when you look around the hockey world, you know, there aren't that many coaches where you go, okay, hold on a minute. You know, there's a guy with a wealth of experience. That makes a lot of sense. Um, You know, let's look at at those who've been pushed out recently. I think Dean Evison is an excellent coach. I I think he's going to find a bench at some point. If not this year, then he'll be a commodity certainly next year. You know, Jay Woodcroft has a, a winning record. You know, he was dispatched because it was basically cup or bust for the Edmonton Oilers, and it turned out to be more bust, and now it looks like they're back on that cup run with Chris Knobloch leading the charge. The problem that you have with Joel Quindle is most obvious. Yep. Um, is, is the commissioner of the National Hockey League going to greenlight him to return to an NHL bench? As you guys know, there's still a lot swirling around off ice, the Chicago Blackhawks. There's this lawsuit, there's this being investigated, that being investigated. I'm not convinced, as, as we're having this interview, that Joel Quindle is, is going to be let back into the NHL anytime soon. Um, I feel like he's, he's paid a price. Maybe the commissioner doesn't feel that he's paid it enough yet. We'll see. So there's some there are some things that may stand in the way of a hire like that.
5: Just add as, as a follow-up on the coaching question, Darren, and and these are just names that have been floated here in St. Louis as well, no idea how connected they actually are to the job, but Bruce Boudreaux is one name that has been brought up, and then Gerard Gallant, another, both of whom, of course, uh, free yeah. agents at the moment. Do, do you think either of them would make yeah. sense for this team?
1: Well, they both want to coach, and again, they, they both have uh, experience with rosters, that have been similar to the St. Louis Blues. Um, you know, I, I don't know how much recent bias comes into play here, right? I know that Bruce Boudreaux wants nothing more than to coach again in the National Hockey League. He, he was desperate to get back in, and he got back in with the Vancouver Canucks, and that didn't end well. And now you see, <clears throat> excuse me, Rick Talkin doing what he's doing in Vancouver. Gerard Gallat has been noted as being a player friendly coach. Um, I think that that's an unfair label because, you know, his talent goes much deeper than that. Turk Glenn is going to coach in the NHL. So I wouldn't have any problem attaching his name as a possibility to what might come down the road in St. Louis. But fellas, let's also give Drew Bannister the opportunity here, right? Um, you know, Drew Bannister has paid his dues. He was a fantastic coach in the Ontario Hockey League. He's been a really good coach at the American Hockey League level. He's a hard-nosed, structured guy. He's going to get the attention of this group. And if there's a modest coaching bump, great. But what if what if things go well and the St. Louis Blues make a, a hard push here? Um, we're not even at the midway point of the regular season. Why shouldn't he be considered as he would be considered as a top candidate? It's too soon yet. Hire the next coach of the St. Louis Blues.
4: Absolutely. And, Darren, going back just a couple more minutes with Darren Dreger, and we appreciate the time as always. Going back to your comments on the defense to where uh, your source believes that they've got to find a way to fix that defense, the guy that I've brought up a lot here in St. Louis is Noah Hannafin. Is Is it possible to fix this defense for Doug Armstrong via trade-free agency, or do you believe this is going to have to be via draft?
1: Oh well, I think you would like to 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 help it via trade. Fix it is a is a big word. Fix in capitals because you know there's a lot of general managers swimming in that pool. I mean, have a look at the Maple Leafs blue line for a moment. You know that's, that's a blue line again as a top contending team that needs some attention. No doubt about that. And we're making comparisons to the defense that that won last year, and and that of course is the Vegas Golden Knights. I mean. Those are big, strong dudes. Uh, I think that Vancouver was smart in grabbing Nikita Zadorov as quickly as they did. They didn't pay a king's ransom in a third and a fifth to acquire him. But that's typical of Jimmy Rutherford. You know, dive in early, fill a need. If something better pops into the market in the future, well, great. Otherwise, you know, you've got a player in early who can, you know, kind of, uh, adapt to the surroundings and the coaching of of and the style of play there. Doug Armstrong, I started the the interview this way, and and as we wrap up, I'll I'll, I'll kind of end it this way too. He's he's not going down without a fight here, fellas. You think that he enjoyed any part of having to fire a good friend and a fantastic coach and Craig Berube? A zero chance. He is the architect of this roster. He's going to add some pieces, um, whether they're big enough like a Noah Hannafin. Again, you need, you need a trade partner and a trade fit. It's not as easy as snapping your fingers and making deals, but I'm pretty confident in, in saying that the, the Blues team that we're going to see take the ice tonight isn't the Blues team that's going to finish the regular season.
5: And that's where I wanted to go with you next, Darren. We'll finish out on this, and we appreciate the time, as always. Darren Drager, our guest, yeah. find his work over at TSN. Uh, we're talking about this a little bit later in the show. Wanted to get your thoughts on it. Do you think, Do you think? and clearly you do, do you know of any players that are playing for their Blues careers, essentially, over the next three months, where they could potentially be dealt, depending on what their performance looks like prior to the trade deadline?
1: I, I Honestly, I don't, and I'm always careful – to not randomly throw out sure. names, because you know what we often do? We look at the contracts, and if you're a pending unrestricted free agent, yeah, chances are that you're a player in play, and it doesn't matter if you're the best team in hockey or a middle-of-the-pack team like the, the St. Louis Blues. We, we've addressed what we think their needs are. If something bigger surfaces, then it also has to be cap-related too, right? It's, it's very much a dollar-in, dollar-out type of league. It's still early in the process. I, I'm sure that St. Louis' roster has some interesting pieces. Um, I look at, at the Philadelphia Flyers as an example. Could there be a fit between Philadelphia and St. Louis? We've spent a lot of time talking about Sean Walker, a right-shot defenseman, uh, Nick Seeler, you know, a big, strong, defensively defensive D-man. Um, you know, maybe one of those two guys could help the St. Louis Blues. Look at what they've got up front. A young player like Morgan Frost is, is, has had trouble fitting in there um, with the makeup of, of John Tortorella and the Philadelphia Flyers. You know, could he add, you know, uh, an injection with uh, a change of scenery? Those are guys that I know are in play. But from St. Louis's standpoint, I haven't heard anyone specifically that's out there.
5: Darren, you're the absolute best, man. You've been more than generous with your time. You always are whenever we ask you to come on. Thank you so much for hopping on with us today and what was obviously a big reaction day here in St. Louis. Nothing but the best to you and the fam. Hopefully we'll talk with you again soon.
1: You bet. I look forward to it. Happy holidays to everybody out that way.
5: Absolutely. Thanks, Same Darren. To you. That's Darren Drager, hockey insider for TSN. You will not find anybody better on this kind of stuff than Darren Drager. Again, he was the one that I think we got the first idea that maybe something was coming because of Drager's report on TSN a few days prior to Craig Berube being fired. Alex, what was your biggest reaction to what he had to say there?
4: Well, I think it's the the defensive side of him saying that his sources have told him like the Blues need to fix their defense and they need to find another gritty forward who can help out their overall play. But it's a final statement he made. This is not going to be the same team that we see in the next year or so. And I know we've said that before, and contracts are a lot harder to pull out. But he's right. As much as as much frustration, which I've made it very clear that I have, and I know a lot of Blues fans have with Doug Armstrong, guy is not going to walk away from this going down without a fight. He nearly pulled off the trade last season, or last offseason, that might have fixed this defense. So... I agree with him there, but there are changes that needed to take place, and him talking about making sure that you get the right personnel and the right mindset, which is part of the reason we saw Craig Berube let go, it makes a whole lot of sense.
5: My biggest thing was what he said about Jordan Kyra. Uh, he said, hey, if you, if you don't see him get back to the offensive game that he had, you ain't trading him. That, oh, guy, yeah. that guy doesn't have value if he doesn't have the offensive game, and he's 100% correct, which is why I wonder if they're just going to say to that top line, hey, go do your thing. Go do your thing. And if it's not structurally as sound as what we want it to be, so be it. Last year, this dude put up 37 goals. 37 goals. When
4: he started off the season, eerily similar to as he has this season. He could do that again. He could easily get back to 30 goals or more
5: this season and get up to 70 or more points this season. But he's got to find his game. And that may mean him not being as good defensively, man. It might mean that it may mean he's having to cheat a little bit to be able to get even more of those breakaway opportunities than he's had so far. And most of his problems really on those has been execution more than it has opportunities. But I think eventually those are going to start going in for him. I will be very curious to see how that line performs with Buchnevich, Thomas and Cairo. That is where the spotlight is for me. It's obviously on the compete. It's on the passion. It's on the accountability. All of those things matter. But at the end of the day, Man, we're not judging Jordan Kyrou on whether or not he's getting takeaways in the neutral zone. You will look at the end of the season, and you will look at the back of the hockey card, and you will say, what do the points look like? Because that's his job. His job is to do, produce points for the St. Louis Blues, and if he's doing that, if he's putting up 30-plus goals, we're going to look back. Other general managers will look back and say, all right, he did his job for the Blues. If he finishes the season with 15 to 20 goals— he doesn't have value, not for this team, not for other teams around the NHL. What? He knows that, you know that, I know that, the listeners right now in our audience know and
4: that. And I double-checked it, so so I was wrong. It, it, the no-trade kicks in after next season, Correct. not this season, so you got another season of this, but you're right. It's this coach that True Bannister is going to take over to see if he can get the best out of Jordan Cairo and then... If they decide to go to another more established head coach, his task is going to be Jordan Cairo, and that, to me, is going to be the biggest self-evaluation by this Blues front office for the for the next year and a half. The last thing that I wanted to get to, I did find it interesting how highly he spoke of uh, Drew uh,
5: That That is not by mistake. He doesn't just do that. Now, the hockey world is a very tight-knit community, and when you get an opportunity like this, there are not very many of them. There's 32, and there's even fewer that come available on a year-in, year-out basis. There's like five to seven, typically, on any given year that become available. So, when a guy like Bannister gets the opportunity, you typically hear people speak highly of him. But Drager said, hey man, this is a guy that's going to come in, and he's going to try to tighten up the ship. So, I will be very curious to see what it looks like, and whether or not, maybe... Maybe he is able to go out there and prove himself. I I, I would be betting against him becoming the full-time head coach here yeah. in St. Louis, but it will be interesting to see what it
4: looks and like. And not taking anything away. Somebody texted and said, why do you guys stop, you stop talking about other coaches? Give Drew Bannister the benefit of the doubt. We're only talking about other coaches because Doug Armstrong said this is going to be a wide-open search. Yeah. yeah, Drew Bannister has just as good of a shot, if not a better shot, than other people because he's going to get to look at this team. But if you're Doug Armstrong, you gotta make sure that this is the right decision. Because if you're him in this position, I'm not sure how many more coaches you're gonna have the opportunity to hire to try and get this thing right. Coming up in about
5: 15 minutes or so, we will dive into the junk drawer. But next, let's dive into some NFL quick hitters. Some interesting news taking place around the NFL, including one future Hall of Fame coach that might just be be on more than thin ice right now. We'll talk about it next year on 101 ESPN. <laughs>
2: We're right back to the BK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
5: Alongside Alex and T-Bone, I'm BK. You got BK and Ferrario here on 101 ESPN. It's time for some NFL quick hitters. And boys, tonight we have one hell of a football game. Chargers. Chargers. Versus the
2: Raiders. Raiders.
5: You can't just go into Las Vegas and expect to beat this version of the Las Vegas Raiders. It's Easton Stick. Whoa. Getting his first start tonight for the L.A. Chargers. Someone get
4: Easton's joystick ready. Did you feel good about that? It's a video game. I, I mean, there's not really. Where, there's not Sounds many. Terrible. There's not many ways Let's you can go with Easton Stick. That was someone bad. fiddled with it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's go. Do you find anything compelling about no. this football
5: game? Only fan-
4: this okay. game. Only fantasy purposes for me because I have DeVonte Adams. Uh Keenan Allen by the way expected to miss this yeah. one as well. So a Chargers just like can we just fire Brandon Staley and be done with it? Rip should. the bandaid I, off. I actually
5: think this is when it happens because it's a Thursday night game so you'll have 10 days oh, prior to the next game. I, this
4: game. This should have freaking happened. What is this? Week 15, 15 weeks ago. I'm I'm totally with you. The next game that they play is the following
5: Saturday against the Buffalo Bills. So it does not get easier from here for the LA chargers. I think they will be the landing spot for the next man that we need to discuss, which is bill Belichick, Alex, according to a report from Boston, this comes from Tom Curran, who is the most respected, reputable reporter on the new England Patriots. He was the one that before anybody else really up in new England was saying, Hey, Tom Brady might actually be leaving the Patriots. And now He said that the Patriots, quote, have already decided they will be moving on from Bill Belichick at the end of the season. They did so after their loss to the Colts in Germany earlier this year. He said that Belichick is, quote, beyond the point where he could save his job once the Patriots season comes to an end. Alex, where do you think he ends up? Where do you think Bill Belichick will be next year? And it sounds surely like this is going to be the end of his road in New England. Chargers.
4: Plain and simple. I think it's Chargers. I think you got the defense that Bill Belichick would want with Khalil Mack, with Bosa, with Derwin James. You got a really good defense. Um, You're going to have a decent draft pick this year, and you've got a quarterback and an offense. So if Dallas wasn't having the success they're having, I would say the Cowboys would be number one. But since they're having success, it's going to be the Chargers. Because Bill's going to try and get to the most wins by a head coach in NFL history, and then he's going to call it a career, and the Chargers do that for him.
5: You know what I would find really interesting, by the way? I don't think it'll happen, but the Jets. That would be a fun one. Rodgers would not. Yeah, I was going to say. You you don't think so? No. No.
4: Hell no.
0: I don't... I don't know. I would Belichick, find that one to be interesting. You think Belichick's all in on the darkness retreat and Aaron Rodgers Well, you think too. Belichick's
4: all in on the Rodgers saying, I want all of these I old wall stop receivers? I would
5: love to have a bleep you to the New England Patriots and do it in their division with Aaron Rodgers and that defense, the talent that they have assembled. Dude, they could win the Super Bowl next year with Bill Belichick as the as the head coach.
4: I don't believe in that so, with Rodgers.
5: I don't think they're going to fire their head coach. I think they're just going to keep everything because of Aaron Rodgers. I think they're going to keep the OC in place and everything, but it That is a team that if he was fired, not traded, I could find to be an interesting match. If
4: I'm Bill, I'm staying in the AFC. Maybe not staying in the same division as the the, the Patriots, but I'm staying in the AFC because yep. I'm gonna give you the big middle finger. That I don't know where else he could go. It's either the Chargers or if the Jets Washington. were to open up. Oh no, Washington's NFC. Yeah, those Idiot. would be the two. Yeah. I,
5: I hope he doesn't go to Washington, man. That would be sad. Where do he go think to the Colts? I, I think he wants. They just to, got their coach. I
4: yeah, like their coach. I like. I, I think like. He's done a really good job this year. Um, I don't think so. I think he sucks.
0: <laughs> I think it's because his quarterback's hurt. Um, I I, I mean, think he looks is, healthy to me. I Somebody think it's mentioned the Bills.
4: That would be an interesting
5: one. That cool. would be fun, actually. I, I, would,
0: I would not move on from McDermott. No, for I wouldn't either. Belichick. I don't think Belichick's having success wherever he goes next. Oh, I'm I mean. out on the Belichick experience. I think he will have success for
5: a short period of time if the roster is already in place. And that's why
4: I think the Chargers are it. And exactly. you're going to get a really good draft pick where Belichick's not picking that draft pick. I think he's yeah. going to be in charge of the draft wherever he goes. I, I don't. I think that will be a dominant. You think with the Chargers? Yes. Ooh. Yeah, I think, I think why, if you bring
5: in Bill on Belichick, your you are signing up for the full Bill Belichick experience. And that includes him being in charge of
0: yeah. all of the decision making. And that shouldn't be the case because Agreed. we've seen where it's gotten them. But
5: if you are a team that already has the roster in place, this is why I found the Jets to be such a compelling option for him. Then he can win you a Super Bowl in year one or two, similar to the Tom Brady decision where he needed the roster in place around him. He went to Tampa because he looks at the roster and said, if you replace their quarterback with me. We're winning the Super Bowl. I think Bill Belichick could do that with one of these rosters. t sorry, I cut you off.
0: And I, I think it would be the Chargers because I think it, wherever he goes, he needs not just the roster but the franchise quarterback as well. And Herbert, though now I think more questions are being raised about Justin Herbert, he is a franchise quarterback. Sure. And at times, he has played like a top five quarterback in the league. So I think it would be the Chargers. And that's the kind of splash that they would make because everybody else like – I don't hear the compelling case for them outside of the Jets. The Jets would be interesting, but like Washington, how the hell are you going to sell Bill Belichick? You don't have a franchise quarterback. Every team in the NFC South that should fire their head coach, you don't have a compelling case to hire him. So I, I think it will be the L.A. Chargers. I'm just out on the Belichick experience. I, I don't think he has success wherever he goes. I think football's passed him by in terms Dude, of what he can do with the NFL. The, the Patriots' defense has been real I, I don't think he's the guy anymore. Okay. I, and I believe that ever since like year two since Brady's been gone. I did, and it, Part of that is because he's been developing – his own roster and if he wants that control i'm definitely not hiring if him. i'm
4: him i don't want to coach anymore i don't know if i want my legacy to be going to another team and then people look at me like we'll yeah you were success. washed up what if you don't
5: we know how these guys think he believes that he will
4: but Bill, just go enjoy retirement my man we'll <laughs> see boca raton you want,
5: he wants to be the all-time winningest head coach in the nfl that's part of it put a i'm jo- totally with you on that
4: put a uh banana hammock on and let it fl- <laughs> let yeah. it flow bill to Let again. it flow.
5: Double B's. Somebody on the text line is bringing up the Bears. I don't think that makes any sense for Belichick at all. It doesn't make sense if you're the Bears trying to get Justin Fields the best production either. Oh, or the next, head, uh, next quarterback. You oh. want to pair your next quarterback with a bright young offensive mind Like Ben Johnson the the coordinator for the Detroit Lions That's the kind of hire you make if you're the Bears You're not going out and getting a whatever 75 year old head coach who wins with defense in special Plus teams. If, that's, if
4: Belichick that's right. goes to the Bears The first and fourth overall pick Are going to be a linebacker <laughs> and a defensive lineman Be like what
2: the hell man a Marvin Harrison was right 1985.
5: here What oh, yeah, the, the hell Bill All right, somebody, uh, somebody yesterday mentioned this I want to hear your guys' thoughts The Chiefs are out to the number one scene in the AFC Oh Jesus
0: Okay. It's
4: not <laughs>
5: happening, man. They lost okay, to the freaking
4: <laughs> lost to the freaking Packers. Went out, which
5: means beating the vaunted New England Patriots. The Vegas uh Raiders that we were just talking about. The Cincinnati Bengals without their starting quarterback and the LA Chargers with Easton Stick. They could probably do that, right? Joystick. Yeah. Baltimore Stop. needs to lose to San Francisco and Miami. And Miami needs to lose to Dallas. You guys sure the Chiefs aren't going to be the number one seed?
4: Yeah, man, they're not going to be the number one okay.
0: seed. Are we sure? Yeah. I bet did, you $100 right now they're not. Didn't you say no, in this? I would have to get odds Didn't hours. you say
4: in the scenario that the Chiefs would have to win out?
5: <laughs> yeah, against the terrible opponents on their schedule.
4: Oh, yeah, the terrible opponents. Because that juggernaut that was the Green Bay Packers.
5: Hey, they're, they've been pretty oh, good.
4: Oh, get the hell out of here. Yeah, because they played against the Chiefs. They looked good.
5: Just making sure that we're all on the same page that they're not going to be the number one <laughs> oh, seed. Oh, yeah, you're on this page. I think that the Ravens will get it. I think the Chiefs will be the number two seed in the AFC going into the postseason. I, I think the Dolphins are going through a tough, tough stretch right now. Especially if um, I mean, I, I they've got the Jets that. this week, I could totally see them losing that game. Especially with then no they've got Hill. Dallas could totally see them losing that game. Then at Baltimore, expect them to lose that game. And then at home against the Buffalo Bills, which might be a game for the Bills to get into the playoffs. I wouldn't be surprised if the Dolphins lose out. I can't wait
4: to watch Jake Browning beat Patrick Mahomes <laughs> in the playoffs. Like,
0: as much as like I should be able to look at that Chiefs schedule and go, yeah, 4-0. This team keeps laying no. eggs across the <laughs> path to the <laughs> playoffs. Because
4: right. yeah, Travis Kelsey can't catch a damn Tony ball. Tony doesn't
0: know how to line up like a fifth grader. Did you see the new uh, quote from Kadarius Tony? Now, what the hell did he say now? <laughs> he said...
5: Uh, I was told yesterday that one of the officials warned me that I wasn't lining up on the line of scrimmage, but I don't think that ever happened.
2: (laughs) Tony, dude, what are you doing (laughs) here?
4: We talked about this with Tony on the last minute Blues podcast. I've never seen a player stare at the ball
0: and be like, yeah, yeah, I'm good. I'm not offsides. What well, he's looking behind him. So that just stare at the ball. Have to turn his head behind him <laughs> to see the ball. He sees
4: the entire offensive line lined up behind him and he's,
0: yeah. What's he doing? Yeah, I'm good. He think they're doing uh, what you used to do as a kid in the backyard where you like draw the line of scrimmage and then he move the ball back a little bit to get that extra protection, you know, cuz there's no Dude, blocking.
4: The worst thing that the Chiefs have ever done isn't trading away Tyreek Hill. It's trading for Kadarius Tony. That guy gives me heartburn every Sunday.
0: Now I know why I'm here. Also, he looks
4: always confused on the bench. He's like, What's
5: going on? Coming up in <laughs> 10 minutes or so. Who are the players that are fighting to stay in a Blues uniform over the next three months? We'll talk about that. But next, the junk drawer here on 101
2: ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Let's open it up. A junk drawer with BK and Ferrario.
5: Brought to you by Fenton Bar and Grill. Best trashed wings in Missouri. Dine in, carry out, seven days a week. With Alex and t on BK, Alex, I need a ruling from you, okay? Okay. There are Not two. I'm sure I'm the thieves. guy to go to in Denver that are trying to figure out if they're going to have a felony over their heads or not. And I need you to tell me what your ruling would be in this scenario if you were the judge. So let me give you the information. Two men have been convicted of theft for stealing more than $2,000 worth of merchandise from Kohl's after they're arguing in court that they deserve a lesser charge. These men were 50 and 37 years old, Michael and Byron. Again, in the Denver area out Father-son combo? Nope. Different uh, families. Oh, okay. They stole from a coal store earlier this year, <clears throat> and they have been dubbed the, quote, KitchenAid Mixer Crew <clears throat> because of the high-end KitchenAid appliances in addition to brand-name shoes and clothing that they stole from the store. Should have went with the sticky bandits. They do have an interesting defense, in my opinion. They have claimed that they should not be charged with felonies Because the items that were stolen added up to $2,000 and $2,094. But two things that should be taken into account in their opinion. The items were on sale. That is not a part of the $2,094. And they had Kohl's cash. So when you add up the (laughs) Kohl's cash and the sales that should have been taken off of the original prices.
4: Why didn't they use the Kohl's cash? Well, they stole it. Um, so, but you're using as defense. Well, I had Cole's cash, but I decided to steal it anyway. Yeah, it would have taken it anyway. down
5: the overall amount of money that they would have had to spend on these things. In your opinion, Alex?
4: Yeah, you're guilty. Go to your felony. You're idiots. <laughs> yeah, I'm in the Alex. You're idiots. Why? It's on how, how do you walk no. into a court and be like, "Look, Your Honor, I understand that I got a felony, but I could have paid for these if I wanted to. I had Cole's cash." Decided to do it anyway. It was
0: forty percent off. That's to, the important part. Go not set, set the Kohl's ca- cash
4: aside for go. a moment. Although I'm willing to listen. Go to jail, you idiot. The
5: the discount because we all know, right? Like you walk into a Kohl's, whatever you're buying is probably twenty percent off. You end up taking down from that top dollar figure probably was like eighteen hundred dollars that they stole you should go to jail for yeah. your thought on that's this. not a felony that's a misdemeanor no felony
4: no, you're an idiot felony. you know you should go to prison because with them the, for that take. i
5: think they're gonna get this taken down This I is don't a really, think they are i don't really think they effect. are because the if they do that sell, judge should
4: be gone yeah. whatever
5: his attorneys are making they deserve more no certainly well, more give than give them the Kohl's cash
4: <laughs> they'll say we could have paid you guys but we didn't have the money but i have cole's cash what a stoop. The, the lawyers had to walk in and be like, all right, so what, what do you guys stance on this? Look, we're not guilty. Okay, well, what happened? Did somebody put it in your car? No, 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 no. We took it. But I had Kohl's cash. And I could have paid for this. But I said, it, I want the thrill.
0: What, would this be like the same argument like if you robbed a bank for like $2,000? we you said, wait, wait, wasn't $2,000. I had $20 in my back pocket. $1,800. Like, 1800 No, no. 1880.
4: Kind of with the coolest cash, honestly.
0: Yeah. Kind of kind of exactly. similar. I, I hope
4: they put them in prison.
5: The I, discount is the part that I find to be interesting. I think that, that it should be discounted. No. discounted so you should you be able to steal for sale items? No, you just, when you steal, it should be listed at the for sale price. And yeah. that is what you're charged with. If I steal a no, the for sale. necklace, for example. You're right? still stealing. A $5,000 necklace that is listed as 10% off. That necklace is now worth $4,500. It's not worth five grand. It's worth $4,500. No. No.
4: I'll
0: No, still be
5: charged with felonies. Stupid
4: but. stupid people, man. He's got to throw them in.
5: He's Alex Ferrario. That's Tanner Hendrickson. And I'm Brandon Kylie. Coming up next, who are the players on the Blues right now that are fighting to continue to be on the Blues three months from now, depending on how they play in that stretch of time? We'll tell you next year on 101
2: ESPN. We're right back to the BK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
3: I don't think he's trading Rob Thomas. I don't
1: think he's trading Colton Pareko. I think there's a few guys in his team that he's not going to move. But if you but I refuse to believe he's not trying some other things. And if it doesn't change, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he does.
5: That was Elliot Friedman on NHL Network yesterday, alongside Alex and T-Bone on BK. Alex, I do believe that this team is going to make changes prior to the end of the season, most likely via trade. There's going to be some guys that are here today that will not be here at the end of the year. But who are they? Who's playing right now to be in a Blue Note uniform by this time next year? Alex, I think as we talked about earlier today with Darren Drager, you could really point to any of the guys that are unrestricted free agents. They're probably somewhere on this list. So that includes Kasperi Kapanen, Sammy Blay, Oscar Sundquist, Marco Scandella, all of those guys. Yeah, they need to perform well because if you're a UFA, you could be traded at the deadline. Who else do you think belongs on this list, though, Alex? Is there anybody that immediately comes to mind for you?
4: I, I would look at certain guys that are in the wing. Like Brandon Saad is a name that I would say is probably playing for his blues time He's got a no trade clause, a full no trade clause. So, like, that's going to handcuff him. If somebody's this.
5: trading for him at the deadline, it's a contender. So, you, you would think that he would probably if, say, okay.
4: And if you're him, I mean, I mean you want to go somewhere where you can win because you'll be 34 at the end of your contract right. and you'd like to prove yourself. So, and if this team misses the playoffs again, uh, defensively, you know, we mentioned Marco Skindel. I think all top four defensemen, although you heard Friedman say, and I believe Pareco's not going anywhere, but I would say all top four defensemen are, are put on the spotlight right now that, look, if you don't perform to the level we need you to, whether it's being Traded away or being sent through waivers and off this team, something's going to happen, especially after Doug Armstrong's strong comments. But this this will be an unpopular opinion, but I, I think the two names that probably should be on this list is both Jordan Kyber and Pavel Buchnevich. Pavel Bucnevich modified no trade clause, but next year's his final year, and if you're the Blues, I said this yesterday, I'm not going to give out another $8 million per year contract unless that player is proven to be somebody who is going to get me out of this retool. And as much as I love Pavel Buchnevich, I'm not sure if you've seen that yet. And Jordan Kairou, we talked about this with Drager. If you don't get back to that goal production and you still are turning the puck over at times or you're still not playing like the $8.125 million player, if you're Doug Armstrong before that no trade kicks in, much like Philadelphia just did with Travis Anaheim, you're going to look at this and say, we're going to, have to see if something's out there for you.
5: I think that the Kairou thing is the next year. I, I think he's got a little longer of a leash than some of the other players that we're talking about that need more urgency in the decision making. I think Kairou will get an opportunity the rest of this year and probably next to be able to perform under whoever the new head coach is. So the rest of this year, if that's under Bannister, and then next year if it's Bannister or somebody else, you want to see what he can do, right? You want to see how he performs when it's not Craig Berube that's delivering the message. Better, worse, indifferent. Let's find out what it looks like. On Pavel Buchnevich, though, that one is something that is more urgent because you're going to have to decide this offseason, maybe this trade deadline, what your future plans are with him. He has one year remaining on his contract after the upcut or after this season at $5.8 million. And then he's going to be eight plus million dollars after that. I'd be shocked if he accepts anything less. He shouldn't accept anything less. He'll be 29 years old when he's up for free agency. That's the going rate for guys like him that are putting up point per game and are great defensively, play on the power play, play on the penalty kill. He's awesome in every situation. He is exactly the type of player that every team in the NHL could use. That's why he's going to be expensive. And that's why you could see the Blues decide, you know what? Maybe we break Pavel Bushnevich into three pieces that we think can help us in three years when we're really contending once again. Maybe one of those pieces is a first-round draft pick. Another is a prospect. Another is a player that can help us right now on the blue line. Like That's the kind of thing you could do. If you trade a Pavel Buchnevich, but for those reasons, I think they're both names. I would agree with you, Alex are worthy of monitoring, but I think one Pavel Buchnevich is more urgent than the other in Jordan.
4: Yeah. And like, if you're trading a Pavel Buchnevich, somebody texted in and said, if you trade Buch, it's almost certainly a full rebuild. Not necessarily. I mean, I know you're going to look at it that way because you're trading away a piece that you thought was going to be a part of this, but what are you getting back in return? Because as BK mentioned, you split this into a couple of different parts. Do you get a, a first round draft pick that not meaning you're drafting with it, but does it become a useful piece for you to trade for something in the offseason? But I mean, we've seen time and time again, and Darren Drager said it, that the Blues need to fix their defense. We've seen guys get traded for young defensemen that need an opportunity. Um, Mikhail Sergachev is the one that comes to mind when Montreal traded him for Jonathan Druin. But the most recent one, look at the Arizona Coyotes. The Arizona Coyotes traded for Sean Dersey from the, the uh, L.A. Kings. And Sean Dersey has been playing in their top pair and has been a big reason why their team is successful. He's 25 years old. There's a team like the San Jose Sharks. And, and look, uh, San Jose is not going to be going after a Buchnevich, but do they offer up a Mario Ferraro for something like this? A 25-year-old left-handed defenseman. If you're getting something that you feel fixes one area that a weakness for you, it puts you in a better position. I don't want to move Pablo Buchnevich. But I think from now until the end of the season, Pavel Bucinavich is putting in a, put into a position that is prove that you're a piece to fix this, not a piece that is going to have to be moved out.
0: Yeah, and I, I think with Bucinavich, I, I don't even know if it's so much his play because I think he's been fine this year. I think he's been close to kind of what I expected. Agreed. It just feels more of urgency on the front office, in my opinion, on deciding Bucinavich's future because he falls into that category that Army typically doesn't do, which is extend a guy once they're into their 30s. And that's when Bucinavich's contract will be up. He will be 30 when he starts the first year of that new deal. And if you're going to trade a Pavel Bucinavich, this is the deadline to do it, I would think, because his value is going to be at his highest because he's not a rental and he's going to have another full year of control, and the other team then can also negotiate the contract with him there. So I, I think that whether it's Bucinavich is the guy that's playing for his future here, I don't necessarily know if he's playing for it. I think it's the front office that's got the pressure meter going on. Okay, we've got to decide if he's a part of this retool. Because I think he's one of the few guys that I would say, I know what you're getting from Pavel Buchnevich each night. I don't think he falls into the category of he has to play his way onto the team past the trade in the next three months. I think
5: you have to be able to find out what his place is within this team. Because I think right now, it's kind of hard to see, okay, where does he fit? I think he's a top-line winger. I think he
4: and Robert Thomas are your pair for the future. But the problem is you're, you're... you are can't... he, Robert Thomas, and Jordan Kairou too similar? That would be
5: my question if I'm the Blues. Well, and if I'm building fair. around Thomas and Kyrou; those are my faces of the franchise that I'm trying to move forward with. Can you have Buchnevich on that line? I think that's why we see them together.
4: Well, and how many times has that line outplayed the other team's top line? I think there were times last year where it, it did quite a bit. Maybe. But I'd argue as many times as we thought they were outplaying the other team's best line, they were also being outplayed significantly by the other. And you want to pay $24 million, maybe more, for those three players? That's what we need to find out. And Over that's the why next they're playing. months,
5: I hope that they play every game together. Yep. Because of this. Because if you can get them to be that line that... Is a legit one of the upper level lines in the NHL? Then you're in a really good place, and you can build around those three guys. If you can't, though, if they cannot play together, it there becomes a question of okay, which one you might have to choose. Do we want to build around Kyra? Do we want to build around Bucinovic? Because it's hard to do that uh, with two of those guys making eight million bucks apiece.
4: Someone asked a really interesting question, and I'm generally just curious. From the six one eight, it says with Kyra, do you think you could flip, uh, essentially flip him for another long term deal? That's a defenseman. If if the if you know what you know now of wondering if he's the guy for you and Philadelphia came with you came to you with that same offer of Sanheim for a Jordan Cairo, would you pull the trigger now i wouldn't because i think the upside with Ky- like right now you're talking about today no because
5: i think the upside for Jordan Cairo is to be a 35 to 40 goal scorer that you're building around for the next but decade. what if
4: Darren Dreger as he said he doesn't get back to that potential
5: I, I i would take the risk because sanheim like i don't think sanheim's a number 1 defenseman and I do think there's a chance that Jordan Cairo is the top goal scorer on a championship-level team. And when I have the opportunity to build around one of those guys, I'm going to try to take that shot. Yep. And I'm I'm taking the risk of him never getting back to what he was yeah. last year. And even if he does get back, maybe it's so bad defensively that you can't win around it. So yeah. I, I know that that's a risk that I'm taking, but it's a risk I, I believe is worthwhile. The one guy that I would have had those conversations about with was Matthew Kachuk. If I'm trading Jordan Cairo, I want to upgrade from Jordan Kyrou and I think it's too much of a lateral move to get a guy like Travis Sandheim.
0: and that's kind of where I am is I would do it if you're getting another guy that you think is a better goal scorer more consistent goal scorer than Jordan Kyrou for defenseman I wouldn't do it because now I've pulled away the guy that I think can be a 35-40 goal scorer to add to my defense, which is great, but then who's the guy that fills his void? Who's the guy that then scores 35-40 goals? Because I don't think he's on the roster.
4: I, I, I agree. Maybe it's Stugger, maybe it's Dvorsky, but that's that's years to come. Sure. The, the problem with all of this is, the front, and the biggest challenge for this front office is, is upside going to help us win? Because right now, upside That's has ridiculous. not been helping us win.
5: But I don't, I don't think you're winning with another defenseman in this group right yeah. now either. That's what I was going to say. I think I think you're probably just not, not. Winning this year.
4: Yeah, and
0: I, I think you're. two, So no, I'm, I'm looking
4: a- bigger. I'm looking beyond this year. This sure. year's a wash. Well, I'm just I- saying, if you do that in the off season, where a team says we've got a defenseman, you give us Kairou sure. we'll move forward. If we're talking about it, then. And I've already seen the next four months of what the season looks like.
5: I may have a different answer for you then. But I want to have that information available before I'm willing to
4: commit one and way like or And like you other. said, I, I hope Drew Bannister just says, you two are playing for the next 54 games this season. By the way, are before you we get
5: to believe it or not on the other side, three one four three nine 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 six four six 9646 is the Air Comfort Service text line. If you've got a scenario, we'll tell you if we are believing it or not coming up in just a little bit. I do want to get to the power play. Because as much as all of these individual players are going to be under scrutiny over the next three months, the biggest area that has to improve is the power play. Joey Vitale had some interesting thoughts on that earlier today.
3: Guys, there's been like at least eight or nine examples of it this year where they are so close at the end. Maybe they have a power play late to get the equalizer, maybe get ahead by one, whatever it is, you know, you're at 8% right now or something like that. Well, even if you double that to 16%, which still isn't great, but if you just double that, and let's say you go from seven power play goals, and let's say you have 15 at this point, I'm telling you, it's a difference about three or four or five games, and you may be looking at a difference of 10 points, which it completely drastically changes the trajectory of this division and where they are at the standings.
5: We've talked about that a million different times, Alex. You've brought up the numbers on how many opportunities they've had to tie the game with a power play or to extend their lead with a power play this year, and they almost always, invariably, find a way to screw it up. And there were some good notes earlier today on Sportsnet in the 32 Thoughts column about what the Blues power play has done so far this year. According to their numbers, the Blues are fourth in the NHL in offensive zone time with the man advantage, but they are the second worst power play in the league. Moral of the story. They're not getting pucks at the net, man. They have the puck, and they're just pushing it around the outside, pushing it around, and the and outside pushing it around the outside, pushing it around the outside. There's nothing that's getting accomplished while they have the puck. My guess is the first thing you will see that changes on that power play with the new analyst that's involved, the yep. new head coach that's involved, they're going to say, just shoot the freaking puck. <laughs> if it goes the other way, whatever. We're already allowing goals anyways. You might as well put the pucks on the Once net. Wanted over quality. Yeah. I, this is something that Dennis Gates has done with – uh, Mizzou basketball where he says, Hey, if you have an open three pointer and you don't shoot it, I'm taking you off the, or I'm taking you off of the court. He says that to a seven foot five uh, power forward Vanover. over says it to uh, everybody. If you have an open look and you don't take it, You shouldn't be on the court and I'm going to take you out. The same thing should be true for the blues. If you've got a good look, not a great one, a good look and you don't take it, you are getting taken off of the ice and I will replace you on the power play unit.
4: And Brad Richards, who is their, their kind of consultant. Now that Doug Armstrong said yesterday, I mean, made a hall of fame career in my opinion of being an excellent worker on the power play, he's going to focus solely on, like, start getting shots and start putting yourself in a position to shoot. And just to update the numbers for everybody, they've had 15 opportunities this season to take the lead on the power play. They've had 12 opportunities to tie the game on the power play and 19 opportunities to extend the lead on the power play and have not scored on any of those. None of them. I'm keeping track of that all season long.
5: Coming up <laughs> next, 314 9646 yeah. is the air comfort service tax slide. Believe it or not, here on 101 ESPN.
2: We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Look at what's happened to me. I can't believe it myself.
1: Suddenly I'm up on top of the world We're going to dedicate this
5: one
4: to Craig Burby We we'll always believe in you, Craig Yeah Believe!
5: And Chief three one four three nine 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 six four six is the Air Comfort Service X line for Believe It or Not. Although you give us a scenario, we, we will tell you if we're believing it <laughs> or not. Son of a! <laughs> Alright, let's start out with this, guys. Uh, believe it or not, the Blues come out energized, focused... Not. And with passion. No. And what, are you, beat, what are you making? Bullet points for us? And, and beat the Ottawa Senators
4: tonight at home in their first game after firing Craig Burby. I believe it. Uh Jake Neighbors had the comment, which I know oh, you can say, it, but the team won't do it. He said, we got to be there for Drew Bannister tonight. I think this is going to be the best game you've seen from the blues all season long especially you're putting jordan Bennington in between the pipes ottawa's gonna bring you a little bit of a push but I, I gotta imagine that the blues are gonna walk out of this one with a a win 4-2 victory
0: final score not nah,
4: i ha, surprise surprise this it, guy it doesn't
0: shock me jake neighbors is saying all the right things so jake neighbors has done all the right things all year long oh oh has he he has That's the yeah. reason he was on the top line earlier before chief was let go I, I'm not going to believe it. I, I have no reason to believe that they're going to get that coach bump because I, a lot of these teams have got these coach bumps, Minnesota, Edmonton. like I think they had higher expectations coming into the year. Well, the Blues, yeah. I thought, were a 500 team coming into the year. They're right around 500. They let the coach go. Their coach bump might mean like maybe they score a power play goal tonight. That'd outside, be cool. Outside of that, oh, yeah, no, they're, they're I'm not going to believe this.
4: I'll add on to it. They're scoring a power play goal tonight. Alex, what do you got for us today? Uh, believe it or not, the Blues goal on at least – a three or more game win streak not, by the not, end of the season. Not, not believing.
5: Oh, by the end of the season? Yeah. yeah, they'll win three games in a row
4: at some point. Wow, you're really confident on that one.
5: <laughs> oh, I think yeah. they will. Like, the worst team in the NHL, whoever that is, has probably won three it's games. The
4: Blues, in the and NFL they've won show. two.
5: The Blues aren't the worst team in the NHL. Oh, sorry, you're right. Have um, the Sharks won three in a row? Uh, I actually think they have. <laughs>
0: All right, well, they can do it. Hold on, let me I look. think they
5: recently went on a win streak. The Sharks? Uh, they have not won three in a row, but they won two, lost one, won lost one, two, lost in one. So they've been better lately. I believe it. By the we'll way, Blues started something for the Sharks. They got back on track after beating. Yeah, the they team. did. They no, started Army to come from behind. Army did say that the Blues
0: were the homecoming. For yeah, a but lot of by times. the
4: way, by the way, you thought it was bad when the Blues lost to the Sharks. Imagine being the Islanders, where you were up by three and you blew that three goal lead in the third period against the Sharks. Not what you want. So um, no, I'm not, I'm not.
5: I am believing it. I will too at some point. Win three games in a row. I'll I get a five game winning streak at some point. Yeah,
4: I I don't know if it's going to start tonight because Wait, man, you got on. a gauntlet. Pause.
0: Let's not just overlooked that He said a five game. winning streak. I can streak. see it. No, I can buy into three. That's the best what? I it's just do. two more, man. Yeah. They haven't shown that they can play a full 60 minutes hockey, but maybe three times all year.
5: Yeah, they've only won one three-game winning streak so far this year, but that doesn't mean that they won't win a five-game winning streak at some point. Yeah, I like, his, I like his logic behind it.
0: Believe it or not, Doug Armstrong will acquire an NHL player that will be a part of this retool throughout and see the exit of it at this year's deadline. And what I mean by that is like a Noah Hannafin, someone that is, a NHL piece that he thinks is, becomes a foundation block. I think that happens in the offseason I
5: do think they will do that I think there will be a big move that is made by Doug Armstrong in this team at some point in the offseason I do not believe that it will take place at the deadline so I will say not believing it
4: yeah I'm going to not believe this one too I, I think this happens at the uh, draft Um, Because I think they're going to try and do acquire as much as picks as possible. This off this deadline and then go into that off season saying, let's see what we can do because you're going to have already two second round picks, two third round picks in this year's draft. And if you're Doug Armstrong, man, you don't care about any of those. You need to start winning.
0: Yeah. I'm not believing either. I do think they do make a big splash in the off season. I mean, it's pretty telling army tried it this past off season. Um, but I was just curious because I thought maybe one of you might buy into it. Maybe they get a defensive that helps them long term. But I, yeah, uh, I'm with, you. I'm with still, you guys.
4: Hannafin's still my guy, but I, I think you're going to have a ton of teams that are trying to get Hannafin. And unless the Blues are going to be willing to cough up something expensive, uh, it's the only way you're going to get no Hannafin from Calgary at this point.
5: 3143999646 is the air comfort service X line for. Believe it or not, guys, believe it or not, the T Bone 3 is way better than the Ferrari 05. Oh,
0: believe it. Happens to be on point it's text
4: line, man I didn't ask Bull. that Bull Bull I don't see it on the text line I don't see it From the 636, at, my good all. friend Oh, yeah, there it is <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> See, believe it No, it's
4: trash T-Bone 3 is never successful I click on 5-on-5 five five all the time uh,
5: yeah. Believe it or not, guys Mizzou wins at least 10 games next year Did you see that the Tigers' uh,
4: schedule was released yeah. yesterday?
5: <laughs> that was pretty good That's
0: Thanks. a panther
5: did you it's see that they worse. are going to play at UMass? Yeah, what a road oh, trip! Yeah,
4: why are you complaining about that, man? Yeah. Who cares? It's a dub, man. It's, it's a great. It's a great game. We're hey, going what? against the Eagles.
0: Let's do them a favor, okay? Are they the Eagles? I'm shocked them as you didn't try to backtrack out of this. Uh they have. Oh, are they?
5: Yep they they have tried to get out of this game and uh, UMass. U-Mass said has no. said no. It's good for UMass. Do you how many? What do you think the capacity is for UMass' football stadium?
0: Oh my gosh!
4: Uh, it's
5: called 20, Warren McGurk.
0: go 20,000 Alex like the size of an NHL arena
4: say that again sorry I wasn't listening what is the capacity
5: of the UMass football stadium
4: more than mullet
5: arena in Hadley Massachusetts 10,000 it is 17,000 I was close which is smaller than many stadiums in the state of Texas for high school football all
4: right I have a Mizzou
5: is going to play there Next year. I, Jim Sterk, yeah. buddy. Come on. I cannot believe but scheduled It's, it's this good
4: game. to be able to get a taste of yeah. culture around yeah. college. Go and get to get some to go crab to Ma- cakes. What's your problem with Massachusetts? You get some clam chowder. Some it was chowder. the worst place
5: that I went to in the Northeast. There was no close second.
4: Well, wow. I mean, I agree with yeah. that. Boston's the worst. It's terrible. Absolutely horrible. People are rude. No yeah. bars stay open when their team loses. Stanley Cup final. Salem
5: was way better <laughs> Man, than Boston. We,
0: we're not hoping to uh, Mizzou, fans. by the way,
5: is also playing against Boston College next not, year. they are the well. Eagles. But that's at home. they are the Eagles.
0: Not, not only by the way.
5: UMass Mizzou schedule next year. Murray State, Buffalo, Boston College, lost. Vanderbilt. <laughs> Buffalo loss. Texas AM on the road. UMass on the road. My God. Auburn, Alabama, Oklahoma at home at South Carolina at Mississippi State home against Arkansas. Ten wins. Believe it or not. I'll
4: believe it. I think they're going to have a better roster next year than they had this year and got with that good
0: transfers on campus yeah. this weekend and
4: with that being said i i think drink has shown the ability if you got the good roster you could do it so i'll believe this one
0: yeah i'll believe it too College i
5: football I, playoff here we come
0: suck at alabama i i i think uh i think it's really like two losses on that ca- schedule right there and that is the bama and oklahoma game and like oklahoma, oklahoma at home like they've got a shot um and then you got to be careful. Make sure you don't lay an egg somewhere. But, yeah, I'll, I'll be optimistic coming off a good year for the Tigers. I'll go. I'll believe it. I'll believe in 10 wins. By the way, you asked the question of how much UMass Stadium holds. Better question would have been how, how often has that stadium even sold out?
4: Uh, rarely. Maybe You never. know what? Your comment, you don't know that. They I might don't. have great matchups I, that you just don't believe they've in.
0: They've been one of the worst, like, five programs what? in college football for the last, like, 10 years. Believe it or
4: not, BK hates everywhere except Kansas City. What? No. I True. I don't, believe. <laughs>
0: What a jerk.
5: I don't understand what that has to do with it. UMass wins by year. 3-1-1-0 Oh, this Sounds like 2. the Barry Odom era in Mizzou. Hey, in nineteen oh one though they were eight and one.
0: Wow, <laughs> back in nineteen oh one. There's no. Sh- were they a Division no. one school then? No chance. How, how they many were in the sc- independently
4: How many schools were playing college football in nineteen oh one?
0: Well, I think that was back in Illinois' prime. That's yeah. like
4: the World's Fair era.
5: The nineteen oh one
4: Massachusetts
5: Minutemen coached by the great james halligan Oh, he
0: was t bum
5: can you spell massachusetts yeah, no don't we don't have to do that coming <laughs> up next it's time for our major league <laughs> yeah. baseball
2: offseason round up <laughs> yeah, 101 espn we're right back to the pk and ferrario podcast presented by dobbs tire and auto centers on 101 espn
5: Major League Baseball offseason roundup here on 101 ESPN. Let's start out with the Blue Jays who have uh, found their pivot, it appears. To Shohei Otani. No, this guy is not Shohei Otani, but he's coming from Shohei Otani's current team. J.D. Martinez, according to a new report, is the newest player that the Blue Jays are interested in potentially
4: acquiring this offseason. Technically, you got Shohei Otani as the DH hitter.
5: Yeah, they're uh, they're looking to bolster their lineup now. It is worth noting. J.D. Martinez was actually quite good last year. Had a uh, OPS of almost 900 for the Dodgers. However, he is a geriatric. He's 36 Whoa. years old. Uh, what do you think about the possibility
4: of the Blue Jays acquiring J.D. Martinez, Alex? Uh, fine, but I, I don't know. I, you, you. You recover from not acquiring Shohei Otani and get a JD Martinez, who you hope is going to be good offensively as the DH, because that's obviously the position they were going for. I, I think there are other guys, other bats that I probably would have spent the money I was willing to spend on Shohei to come in and be a bat are better there, than J- I mean, I would it's have paid a rough off season for bats, man. I would have done it with Cody Bellinger over JD Martinez. That's fair. And and you got somebody who could at least play the field for you at times rather than just be a sole DH. Like, what's J.D. Martinez? J.D. Martinez is solely your DH. Oh, 100%. And if you need a day off for um, Guerrero, if you need a day off for um, what's-his-face in the outfield,
0: who are we talking about? Uh, the George center Springer? fielder. Who George oh, Springer? Springer Yeah
4: George Springer And you're going to need Days off for those guys Because obviously They can't stay healthy For a full season Now you can't do it Because J.D. Martinez Is bats out The problem is Like some of the top bats Are guys that they already had Teoscar Hernandez
5: Lourdes Gurriel Jr <laughs> Matt Chapman yeah, Those are all the guys That they've had And they're all the top Free agents Would you rather have Jorge Soler or J.D. Martinez for that lineup. I think I would rather have J.D. Martinez uh, because would, of the yeah. lack of strikeouts. Yeah, I yeah. guess that's true. So um, I, I think this is probably the way that they're going to have to go. It's a smart move. He's a, he's an old guy. It probably doesn't move the needle a ton. But if he can capture some of what he had last year, it'd be a smart move for yeah. the Blue Jays. And,
0: and I like it because it's going to be a short-term deal. It's going to be a one, two-year deal. And if it goes south, you can just DFA him and it just cut that contract off the books. Bellinger, I have no feel for Cody Bellinger and what he is. I would not want to give him a six, seven-year deal like I think he's going to get.
5: Speaking of the Dodgers, it appears that the Dodgers are looking to continue bolstering their rotation. According to multiple reports, the Dodgers are in on discussions with the Tampa Bay Rays that involve Tyler Glass now and Manuel Margot. They might get both of them in such a deal. Alex, what would it mean to you if the Dodgers are able to indeed acquire Tyler Glass now?
4: They're going to be the juggernaut that's in the National League. And Great. I mean, I'm not I'm, I'm including the Atlanta Braves in this conversation because the biggest question mark that I had about the Dodgers was how are they going to manage pitching? and if you go out there and get Tyler Glass now, you already brought in Shohei who I know is not going to be pitching for you, but there's still a chance you get Yamamoto. I'm you're gonna be you're gonna be one of the more dominant teams from top to bottom this season, but then for the next like three, four years you're gonna be a scary good team.
0: Can i be honest, I don't know how much the glass now trade would move the needle for me on the Dodgers and what, where they stand right now. And the reason they need I, innings. Th- yeah. And that's why, because they need innings and like they should sign Jordan Montgomery. They should go after Montgomery. They should be uh, potentially looking at the cease market, which sounds like they are. And it still sounds like they're in on Yamamoto. Um, I would actually that, be interested in Giolito for them.
5: Hey, if they go out but, there and get these other guys that we're talking about, like you got to get glass now. You got to get one of the Montgomery, somebody like that. But if you add Giolito as, like, a back end of the rotation, three-year deal, money doesn't matter to them clearly right now. Buakko would be another guy that kind of fits into that criteria. They, they can fill out their rotation pretty well with what's available. And,
0: and that's why, like, I say, like, right now, I'm not sure how much time was a needle on me. off season's still young. They still are going to add pitching to that rotation. But right now, in terms of where it looks at, like, yeah, he's great when you get to October because he's got the swing and miss stuff but like how much innings is he going to cover? Cause he may have the same kind of innings that you're going to get like out of a Bobby Miller this year. So speaking
5: of the Dodgers, they are also according to Tom Verducci interested in targeting Josh Hader and Yoshinobu Yamamoto. Jesus. So <laughs> if they go out and Seriously. do that, dude, the Dodgers are a full blown death star, potentially this do upcoming you, season. Do
4: you think they offer all of those guys like, 300 million dollars but they say yeah at the end of this so like this first year you're gonna make like a million bucks yeah they're
5: gonna have Hayter, yamamoto um otani and like matt chapman making a combined 12 million dollars this year (laughs) it's gonna be amazing
4: good 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 good. Uh, as we continue
5: along with our major league baseball offseason round up (laughs) partner let's go quick hitters here guys the marlins are considering a potential reunion for skip schumacher with andrew kisner what Uh, do you think about the possibility of andrew kisner heading down to south beach
4: cool probably could have traded him to miami for you know know. like a depth pitching rather than just outright him yeah that was my initial reaction too yeah Yeah. i I, mean it tells you what it tells you about the player if skip schumacher who spent time with him says yeah we want this guy
0: I mean, he fits perfectly for what they're looking for. And, like, I think it got overlooked. Like, kids had a decent offensive season last year. And if you're willing to bet a little bit on maybe, hey, maybe he's found it out at the plate, he's no longer the. 200 hitter and he's got a little bit of pop to his bat and he's a captain. So why not bring him in? I, I actually like to move for the Miami Marlins. If and you're I, a team that needs a backup catcher, I would just sign him
5: and yeah, just say, we'll I, call it, be done. Andrew Kisner's perfectly fine. He can handle our staff. He's a good dude in the locker room. He's got great energy. He brings good personality. Like
0: He's probably going to make what he's going to make, make this year.
5: Yeah, a million bucks.
0: Like, I, th- that's how I, I don't understand how there was no possible way that there was trade
5: value for Andrew yeah, Kisner. It's, it continues to be stunning to me that that was the decision, but neither here nor there. Guys, as frustrated as we get here in St. Louis about the Cardinals missing out on top free agents, I can't imagine what it is like in San Francisco right now. Farhan Zaidi, their president of baseball operations, came out yesterday and said, hey, yeah, we offered the same contract to Shohei Ohtani that he ended up signing in LA. Now, whether you believe that or not doesn't much matter. I believe they probably did. They're desperate right now to get a star and Ohtani was the biggest star that was available, maybe in the history of the sport via free agency. Guys, where do they turn? What do the Giants do? Because it doesn't sound like Yamamoto is seriously considering them. It sounds like he's down to New York or L.A. What do the Giants do this offseason to get a star?
4: Because right now they don't have one. I think they're going to overpay for Blake Snell. And I I think that's it. Uh, Maybe you go for some some upside. Maybe Ballinger. Maybe you go for some upside like a Giolito. But they're not going to make a trade. I I think they're going to have to overpay for certain free agents that are left and I'm not sure that's the recipe for success for the Giants. It was amazing watching fan reaction to the uh, the center fielder that they signed.
0: Oh, Jung Ho Lee. Yeah, it, it
4: was incredible looking at the reaction from Giants fans of like, this is the offseason that you go out there and do. You know, Sarah, so I think
0: I does a really good job of
5: breaking down players. Uh, he, he the other day had a Yamamoto piece that came out, basically said, yeah, this dude's an ace. Like, he's amazing. Unbelievable player. Wow,
4: good. The Cardinals didn't go throw money he at him
5: at the center fielder that the Giants acquired and said, I mean, the closest thing is probably like Brendan Donovan in terms of what the the type of player is that they acquired. Now, Brendan Donovan is a really oh, good yeah. player. I would love to have him if I'm the Giants. If that's the best thing that you
0: acquire in the offseason, you have failed spectacularly. And do you want as Brendan Donovan for that money? Yeah, that's what I was going to bring up, too. $18 million for Brendan Donovan? Look, I love Brendan Donovan. I think yeah, that's going to be the market. A, that's the thing is, like, I not. think
5: we're underestimating how expensive it's going to be to keep one of, maybe both of. Laura Newbar and Brendan Donovan long
4: term. Well, if that's the case, then you should trade one of them to Seattle immediately and get one of their pitchers. Potentially. Especially if Seattle makes a real push for Blake Snell and they got to move one of these pitchers out. If they're going to cost you that much to keep where I don't need both of those guys making 18 mil plus. Yeah. Trade one of them to go I, get your starting pitcher. I
0: pick up the telegram and say, let's dance, partner. There is a the tumbleweed report out. Um...
5: From Dan Clark, who says that uh, Yamamoto was quote extremely impressed by the Dodgers' presentation, including the support staff that was in attendance at yeah. the meeting, that included Freddie Freeman, <laughs> Mookie Betts, Shohei Otani and Will Smith. Yeah. They have <laughs> offered yours? a ten-year contract.
4: Like wow, we wait. Like Will Smith, like the actor Will Smith, like uh, I Am Legend. One. That'd one. be awesome. He
0: is a legend, but, but no, let's not just that be honest. That Will Smith happened to be in the facility when Yamamoto was touring, and they went, Oh, hey, that's our uh, catcher. He's the yeah. catcher hey, that's yeah. going to help Yoshi. Hey, come join us. Yoshi, here's Will Smith. Be that Will it, Smith? It'd be awkward if Bats, Freeman, and Otani walked by and just said, Will, bam, we've Let, got a meeting here with Yamamoto. Let's play
4: this game. Who do the Cardinals send? Lars Nupar, obviously. More in terms than like, of like. To to that meeting? Three. You send three yeah, guys Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt. Yeah. And, and Paul Goldschmidt there. I need a little more excitement. Maybe Wilson Contreras, Yadier Molina. Oh. Oh, no, sorry, yeah. he's in Puerto Rico.
5: Oh, like he's he's gonna be a part of my meeting.
4: Albert Pujols, cool. Chris Carpenter, I'm in. Adam Wainwright. Oh yeah, you do send Adam Wainwright.
5: Bring like it the Cardinals could do pretty well. I yeah. think people made up a lot of their jokes yesterday, and I get it about who the Cardinals would send. I mean, they'd have a really uh, good. They send Ollie, Joe attending.
4: McEwing, and John Mozalek, and be like, "These are the guys that are bringing you to St. Louis." Yes. Hey, Joe has an office down in the basement. <laughs> You'll see him once. Joe, a Joe's got an office almost all season until Yachty's in town, and then Yachty takes that office. That's
5: the latest in our Major League Baseball offseason
4: up! There's a snake in my boots.
0: Didn't know where to go
4: from there, did you? No, I was ready for it. I had that one. It just You can't really transition into that with the yeehaw.
5: Coming up next, we're going to give you a chance to win a pair of tickets to see the Blues versus the Stars this weekend. By the way, right now, (laughs) you can go to 101ESPN.com if you'd like to and check out our new merch store. Throughout the month of December, we are helping out with Operation Food Search. We've partnered with an STL shirt company to offer special 101ESPN online merch. This month, you can include some T-shirts over there, hoodies, hats, check it all out 101espn.com is the place where you can go it is powered by McBride Homes we're hitting the BK and Ferrario rewind and giving you a chance to win Blues versus Stars tickets next year on 101ESPN we're right back to
2: the BK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobb's Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN Let's run it back with a daily rewind on BK and Ferrario. Brought to you by Gloria Loom, your home sold guaranteed realty. Selling your home begins at GloriaHasTheBuyers.com.
5: A late addition to the show, Alex. Tomorrow, we're going to be joined by the one, the only, my great white buffalo, Bruce Boudreau. Looking forward to that. We're going to ask him definitively, are you interested in the Blues head coaching job, Bruce?
4: Uh, I was lying to you. He's not coming on tomorrow. (laughs) I just wanted to see you get excited. We'll have Mike Rupp on, though. (laughs) I can tell he's being serious. (laughs) Look how excited he got.
0: The thing is, is, like I
4: totally believe him. Are you being serious? <laughs> oh! <laughs> I got you! Yeah, he's coming on 1130 tomorrow. Cool. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> got you, T-Bone! He's Whoa! back! He's still on the show tomorrow. I'm excited. Uh, that's going to be awesome. I think he should be the next head coach of the St. Louis Blues. I, I, I can't wait for you to ask, like you did with Ken Hitchcock, where he's like, can you tell some of those intangibles? You ask Bruce Boudreau. he's like, are you going to be a, the coach of the Blues? Uh, if I tell you, I'd have to kill you.
0: No, he
5: wins.
4: And it. Bruce Boudreaux is like the happiest guy in the world. Yeah,
5: I know. That's Love why that one of the vibes would be immaculate.
4: He always look. He always looks like Santa Claus from Rudolph cartoon yeah. to me. Oh, Rosy okay. red cheeks, yeah. Yeah. just I constantly pink. Just watch the movie. Okay, the not time. pink, man. Rosy red cheeks. I say that with all. Pink like, is uh, an most... insult. Rosy red cheeks are are a compliment. Sounds Do you delicate. Feel that way? Yeah, yeah. If you tell me I look pink, I'm gonna punch you. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. Uh, no, Rosy red cheeks. It is. Yeah. Uh, hey we, Bruce, I think you look pink all the time. Oh, cool. See ya.
5: <laughs> that should Click. be the way we open the show. 11:30. <laughs> now to be joined by uh, Bruce Boudreaux, the Pink Man. <laughs> He'll hang up. Come I'm on, kidding. man! I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Of course.
4: Come on, man. All right,
5: (laughs) If you missed anything from today's show, be sure to check it out on the podcast page. It was mostly better than what we're doing right now. Uh, 101ESPN.com and the free 101 ESPN app is where you go to find it. I thought there was some pretty good breakdown from Joey Vitale and Darren Drager on what went wrong uh, for Craig Berube's time here in St. Louis, why he is no longer the head coach and pushing it forward a little bit. What we want to see from them the rest of the way blues getting back in action tonight against the senators coming up here in just a minute. We'll give you a chance to win a pair of tickets to see them on Saturday night against the Dallas stars, Alex, Alex, as we wrap this thing up today, what is the number one thing that you're looking for tonight? Blues versus Senators, first game after the Craig Berube fire.
4: I think it's the two notes that Doug Armstrong talked about yesterday. The passion and the accountability. And you'll be able to see both of those. The passion in terms of the Blues being able to bring that physical presence. And I got to get to BK's face because he's making something. And the accountab- Did you see this? No, what happened?
0: Jordan Kyrou's comment? No. I thought you were referring to Taylor Clark going to the Brewers.
4: Oh, yeah. Excited about Taylor Clark. What happened?
0: Uh, Jordan Cairo on
5: his relationship with Craig Berube. Quote, I've got no comment. He's not my coach. Wow. Well, Well, I know why Berube lost town. Can I add also what he said about Bannister? Quote, yeah, it feels like it's a little bit of a fresh start kind of a thing. We're all excited here. We want to turn the ship around right now, get our culture back a little bit, get back
4: to how we know how to play hockey. Okay, now take that comment from him. Oh man, now I'm pissed. Now and then, let's go to yesterday from Jordan Bennington, and I gotta find it right now. Um, Luke Horik tweeted that it it in my notes from yesterday. But. Yeah, Jordan Bennington, we've got to be proud to wear the blue note and proud to be a part of this organization and play for the city. If you're not, just get out of here because we're not wasting time. These are special years. Being able to play in the NHL, it's a privilege.
0: And I got the sense yesterday from Braden Chen when he made his comments that some guys in that locker room bought the message and others did not.
4: And now you know why. we know
0: one. And now, and now you know I my. Can, f- I can exclusively report one. A no comment one.
5: in that kind of a question, which is very easy That's to terrible. just say platitudes and say, hey. Uh, Craig Berube accomplished a lot here. He built me up as both a person and a player in my young years here in St. Louis. I'm going to wish him nothing but the best moving forward, but we're focused on what it's going to be like with Bannister as our head coach now. And I I don't want to say anything further. I appreciate that you guys have questions about what happened here, but, I don't want to discuss that any further. If you guys have any questions about what we're going to do to make sure that this thing gets turned around, yeah. I'd be happy to answer. That's the super easy thing to do if you're Kyru, and it says nothing. Like, it doesn't say that you had a great relationship with him or anything like that. To say no comment on your relationship with Craig Berube, that says everything you need to know about his relationship with Craig Berube. So I'm sure the Fastlane will be discussing that at length coming wow. up later on today on their show. We will certainly discuss it tomorrow on our show, and we'll be looking forward to seeing. Being what the response is tonight. Blues versus Senators, pregame coverage with Alex coming up at 6 o'clock. But right now, 314-399-9646 is your opportunity to win a free pair of tickets to see Blues versus Stars on December 16th. You can also have a uh, bonus opportunity to win those at 101ESPN.com or the free 101ESPN app. If you're a texter number 101, you can answer the, this question correctly. You are going home with that, that pair of tickets. The question is, what was the store that the two burglars ended up stealing more than $2,000 worth of merchandise from that we talked about earlier today. What was the name of that store? If you got that, text uh, 314-399-9646 and your text number 101. You're getting the pair of tickets to see Blues versus Stars. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Fastlane coming up
2: next. You've been listening to the BK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.